0: did you ever think you would make it i feel i'm so close i could take sweet victory i know this life meant for me yeah why would you bet on goliath when we got bet david value taming
1: giving values contagious this world of entrepreneurs we get no value to haters i did running run homie
2: look what i become i'm the i'm the one
1: Okay. By the way, I just realized it's episode number 300 today, Rob, wow. which I didn't know it was episode 300, but it's episode 300 today. W- one thing I love about the emails I get after uh, each podcast we do, I'll get DMs or emails of people being sent, I cannot believe you had... The such and such brothers, I can't believe you had him. And I can't believe you had him. So it's like every other podcast, or every other week, mm-hmm. we have an audience that's upset with who we had on. Kay? Well,
0: get ready for your yeah. and yes. inbox yeah. and be flooded, it. sir. Because
1: our guest today is They're ready both to be loved shut down by YouTube and hated you all of us. we like to talk to everybody. That's the reputation that we have. Yes, sir. And we plan on continuing that reputation. Our guest today is General Michael Flynn with more than 33 years of service in the United States military, and as the current chairman of America's Future, General Michael Flynn's military career culminated as the director of the uh, Defense uh, Intelligence Agency, DIA, and as the nation's highest-serving military intelligence officer. After retiring from the Army in 2014 and as a private citizen, General Flynn went on to serve in a variety of business, educational, nonprofit roles, including supporting veterans' organizational veterans organizations around the country something he continues to do today his public service included selective and in service as a foreign policy advisor to several Republican U.S presidential candidates 2016 and subsequent appointment and service as the national security advisor to the 45th president of the United States of America a very non-controversial president. Mm-hmm. General <laughs> Flynn is a national best-selling author holds three master's degrees and is the recipient of numerous military intelligence and law enforcement, Awards, it's great to have you on the podcast today, sir. Thank, and thank you. you for your service.
2: Thanks for being patient and getting me down here. I really appreciate it. Yeah, this, this is, is
1: wonderful. It's it's great to have you here. It's, uh, you know, obviously when 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 I talk to my friends and I and peers and I say, hey, here's who we're having on tomorrow. No way, you better ask him about what happened. It's because of him. He did this. If it wasn't for him, he re- hurt this. Oh no! And oh my God, I cannot can I come in and take a picture tomorrow? I want to be at the office. So you got you got both crowds that's here. So. But uh, aside from that, if you don't mind, okay. I mean, at this point, everybody kind of knows your story. We're going to talk about the book, which is the, you know, uh, the fifth generation uh, warfare with non-explosive, you know, everything from power grid to Internet to mind control, all that stuff. We'll talk about that. AI, some of those things that's going on. We'll talk about the current election that's coming up with the different debate that took place. You know, President Trump saying, "I think May 15 of this year, if he gets reelected, he's going to bring you back in because some people originally wanted you to stay, even after the stuff that was going on." So there's a lot to cover, okay? But if you don't mind taking a couple minutes with the audience, just a little bit about your own background, how you got to where you are today, and then we'll get into the questions.
2: Yeah, great. Thank you uh, again for having me on and being patient to get me here. I really do appreciate it. The uh, for the audience, I mean, I, I think uh, this story's been told, you know, many times, different ways, but uh yeah i i why the army my father was a world war ii and and uh, korea war vet uh, he retired from the army as a sergeant and uh and i was i was in the middle of nine children irish catholic family from up in uh, rhode island state of rhode island uh, i was actually born on an army base fort Meade, maryland did you know did a little uh, like army kids do went to one or two of his assignments um early on but um I always knew that I was going to go into the service, didn't think I was, didn't you know know whether I was going to go in the Army or not. And uh, when I was going through, uh, I went to the University of Rhode Island, which is a state university. A lot of people ask me, you know, because you make it to the rank that I made it to, uh, you know, what what year did you graduate from West Point? I'm not a West Pointer. Um, so I went to uh, the University of Rhode Island, and the first year I um, I was going to join the Marine Corps because I was, good in basketball, but not good at my grades, you know. So, But then I, one of the guys that I used to play with, and I always tell this story, one of the majors in the ROTC department um, who I used to play basketball with down at the gym, he was a good guy. He came to me that summer. I had one of these delayed entry deals, and he came to me that summer and uh, said, hey, we have some ROTC scholarships we're going to turn back that are going to be turned back uh, by the region, and we'd like to offer you one. And he knew what my grades were. He just said, just batten mm-hmm. down. My old man was great. He uh, he 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 said, "This is a chance that you're not going to have again." And he was army, so he knew I was about to go into the Marine Corps. And he's like, "Take this chance. Take this opportunity." So I said, "Okay, I'll do it." That was like two weeks before school season started, and about two weeks before I was uh, to go off to a boot camp, basically. And so, you know, kind of the rest is history. I I I graduate. I spend uh, nearly three and a half decades in the army. Uh, But I will tell you that my first assignment after some training and everything was the 82nd Airborne Division. And as you would know, uh, serving in the 101st that you served in, you know, those are two competitive organizations, Mm -hmm. very competitive and and top top of the game, too. So the 82nd Airborne was my very first assignment. And to this day, I have and I was a platoon leader in one of the jobs there that I had to this day. uh, Those that are still surviving from that platoon are still some of my best friends. And, uh, you know, a guy from uh, my platoon sergeant was from Oxnard, California. Another platoon sergeant, uh, Ernie, that was Jerry, was from Oxnard California. Oxnard, California. Ernie, Ernie was born in Havana, Cuba. Okay. Uh, so that sort of set me on a path where I love that type of person. I love those people. I love that kind of, you know, jumping out of airplanes and constantly deploying and constantly – you're you know you're ready all the time right and uh, you know the we had the division we had the you know the the companies we had the division uh, the ready brigades and so all that kind of atmosphere I loved and I loved Fort Bragg and I ended up spending uh, 17 years of my career so with training and some overseas assignments some some deployments to uh, Central America uh, Middle East Central Asia. Uh, you know, and, and then I got more senior, but I spent uh, from second lieutenant so you, you'd understand this, Pat. Uh, I spent from second lieutenant to brigadier general at Fort Bragg, North Carolina.
1: One star. Be my and, little uh, general. Yeah,
2: yeah, there you go. So so uh, I love that place. My family loved that place. My I had one of my sons was born there and then uh, another son, uh, Matthew, who was born uh, uh, at, at another duty station that we had. Uh I have, you know, I have a, a small, small clan of grandchildren right now. And then and then when I got out uh of the military, so you know, and we can talk a little bit about all the exiting and all that kind of stuff, because that's part of probably the story that that put me in a place like this today. Um, you know, twice appointed twice, twice appointed by Barack Obama to two really critical jobs, the Defense Intelligence Agency that you mentioned. And I was also assistant director of national intelligence uh, for engagement around the world and here at home. So I had a domestic role as a uh, assistant director of national intelligence. Both those positions, three-star positions appointed by Barack Obama, fully confirmed by the Senate. Mm -hmm. So that started in 2011, 2012, all the way to 2014 when I left. And... uh, and interesting thing and I've, I I think I said this before in another show but I don't, but I, this is sort of probably breaking this here because I never met Barack Obama really I never met him so he pointed me twice he had to approve it and uh, and then of course he made me you know the 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 enemy of the state uh, in the very famous uh, conversation between he and uh, Trump. Turning the country over, you know, you know, turning businesses over. You take a business over. I mean, in business, it might be a little
0: different. I have a question. Yeah, on that exact. Yeah, situation. jump in any time. Well, just um, since you brought it up, I-, I watched two different documentaries on you uh, yeah. last night. Um, I-, I didn't sleep last night because I wow. wanted to be prepared for this. Um, it was very intriguing what Obama told Trump in that. Transition meeting. yeah Here's the quote from this was actually um, the peaceful transition of power, the documentary, The Plot Against the President.
1: General Flynn, can you move your phone? I think <clears throat> it's picking up static uh, uh, right next to the mic. Go for it. So, Wrong.
0: according to the documentary, you tell me if this is true or false. Obama told Trump the following Don't let anyone tell you who to hire in your administration. Surround yourself with your own people. There's only one person you should not hire General Michael Flynn. Um, Obama said that there's two people in the world you cannot trust. One of them is Putin. The other one is General Michael Flynn. Um, it's like it, a badge of honor coming yeah, from him. Um, Sebastian Gorko has been know, here. He. Um, more, every time I hear that, I'm like, right.
2: think about that. Okay, think about that for a moment. Sure. So what I just said about Barack Obama, and I'm still at that moment in time, I'm still holding... One of the highest security clearances that the country can have. I had just gone through a uh, another security clearance update, like within the past six months, I think. So, like, you know, and they gave it to me. Right. I mean, the, the, you know, this is all the vetting that you go through. And and this is all before. So he has that conversation with Trump all before all of the Russia nonsense. Mm-hmm. So the Russia gate is ongoing. We don't know about it yet. Right. But before I got I get, uh, you know, coiled up with, you know, a, a very legitimate phone call with the Russian ambassador. So that conversation between Barack Obama and the and the, in, you know, the outgoing president of the United States, the incoming mm-hmm. president of the United States to transition the entirety of the United States of America. They focus on two people, Mike Flynn and the dictator from from uh, North Korea, Kim Jong-un. And uh it's just mind-blowing when you think about it. Instead of saying, look, you know, here's the issues that we were dealing with around the world, foreign policy, domestic policy, you know, economics, all these kinds of issues that you have to deal with, right? They, he focuses Trump's Trump's attention on two people.
0: Interesting. And, yeah. Um, so go ahead. General I'm sorry Flynn, to cut you off. I'll no, do that no, often. You're the general here. Cut me off at any time. <laughs> um, put yourself in two-term President Barack Obama's shoes. Mm-hmm. He... Obviously, wanted Hillary to win the election, you know, yeah. clearly. Yeah. Trump wins. We all remember that awkward sit down. There's just sit, it just felt weird, the two of them in the same room. But put yourself in Barack Obama's shoes. He could say anything to Trump, anything. Right. But he talks about you, um, specifically, that you were one of the two most dangerous men in the world. Yeah. Put yourself in Barack Obama's shoes. Why does he target you?
2: Yeah, because I am not uh, an individual who. Um, came out of the military at the level that I was, that I came out at. And also while I was in the military, I was very blunt, you know, because that's my sort of thing. I guess it's, you know, if you, if you say, well, what do you, you know, what do you get from Flynn? You're going to get what he believes, like it or not. Um, That's sort of number one from the military perspective, but I'm not a person who came out at my level and went to work with big, you know, with the big companies, with the big defense industry, and and you know, and and sort of got bought up and and caught up, bought and paid for you. Well, mean. caught up in that lifestyle, right? Yes, sir. Living around Washington D.C., you get you know, you get a job with you know the big defense industry, the big military industrial complex, right? Security state complex. And all and and the next thing and also I'm a Democrat. Okay, I was a Democrat. You, were I've, Democrat? I've changed. I've changed. I've just recently in the last two years. I yeah. His mom know, just, was in politics years ago. Oh, yeah, she yeah, was yeah. a Democrat. She yeah, would take yeah,
1: yeah. you with you to the rallies. Oh you know? yeah, I
2: have yeah. you know I mean that's a great story. Did too. you vote for Barack Obama? No, I never voted for president. The Entire Ever. time I was in the military. Nope. So how do you? Because I always looked at it as a commander
0: in chief. Yeah. And but you still uh, identified as a Democrat, even though yeah, you I was, didn't a, vote? I
2: was a I was I was a lifelong. Uh, sort of a Kennedy Democrat. Uh, Rhode Island gotcha. is where we grew up, and that part of the country, and Very you know, because you mentioned my mom, my mom was uh, was the. Uh, I mean, she was a, she was big in politics. She ran for uh, for office in the state. My mom's platform was right to life, though. So early on, so here's a Democrat, and now the Democrats are they're really not. There's no such thing as a Democrat anymore. So really, my so don't I mean don't tell anybody but the Democrat Party. Nobody's listening. to General Flynn. Okay. So, so yeah. So we grew up as Democrats, uh, and uh, and I actually, when uh, when I was being uh, uh, asked for advice by all these different candidates for president, uh, they were all Republican candidates, and then of course Trump, and and uh, so even when I went in as the National Security Advisor, if you looked at my my political registration. I was registered as a Democrat, and uh, and then if you look at June of uh, June of 2016, there were the uh, Trump narrowed it down to four people to be his vice president. Okay, me, Christie, Newt Gingrich, and uh, Mike Pence. Pence. In June there's a, there's a June actually right after the Fourth of July. There's a very couple of famous pictures that were put out on the media. You know, these are the candidates, and so anyway, anyway so. That's, a, that's what's kind of odd about this whole thing. Why? Because back to your question about why. And it was because I'm not somebody, you know, what motivates me is, is my family, my faith, uh, and this country. And I was taught that, you know, when you learn, like we were talking outside here to some of your, some of your, great, uh, some of your great team here, you know, when you – I always say between the age of the time you're born – until about the, ten, about the age of 10 is when you're going to really learn your values and the type of person that you are. And so I learned that this country is a great country. You know, my parents worked hard. My, my father served in the, you know, in the military, blah, blah, blah. And, we, and I, know, I know based on my own training, my own experiences, having traveled around the world uh, and served in combat and served in other places, that there are enemies that will always try to go after us. And this country has to be, I, I say, you know, when people use the phrase freedom isn't free, I use the phrase freedom must be guarded. OK, freedom must be guarded. So if, you know, the path to freedom, the path to have what you want to have is not is filled with hardship. It's sacrifice. Right. You talk about economic freedom all the time. You, you, you talk about wealth, uh, you know, creation all the time it, you know, you don't just go sprinkle fairy dust and poof, you're a three star general right? Or you're a great uh, entrepreneur or you're a great businessman. you got to work your ass off for it. But there's a there's also another path. See? There's another path that you take, and that's the path like a guy like Barack Obama took, okay? And, and others. Hillary Clinton is another one. And there are others. There are others that we should talk about, maybe some of them today because I know you just did a thing about the World Economic Forum. So there's a path that some people take. It's a very easy path. And they take, right? They're takers. They're you know, I, I don't know what we can say. You know, we have in the army we say shitters and eaters, right? <laughs> so, you know, there's takers out there and they take, 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 and what they get is they get more power, they get more wealth, but they actually haven't done anything. They haven't done anything. So they so they might serve in government, they serve in a political position, and you say to yourself, What are you what are you doing? What, you know, you're 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 actually destroying more than you're creating, right? And so Anyway, you got me on a on a soapbox there, what, what but that's a, that's a very important. So you're back back to the yes. question about Barack Obama. So you look at a guy like Barack Obama and you say, you know, how could this guy get to where he's at? You know, and I said the other day, and I say this a lot about Barack Obama, and I tag him sometimes on on my Twitter file, on my Twitter account. I tag him and I ask him questions because he never answers, you know, but maybe one of these days he will. But Barack Obama had had a unique opportunity coming in as the president in uh, 2008. And that unique opportunity was to really unify and actually go into the black community, go into the black community, right, and and really strengthen. Like, you know, he presents himself as this great family, man. Wonderful. That's wonderful. But get into the black community where the family's been destroyed and get into the streets and get into these communities and talk to these people about, particularly men, black men, about their families, right, because the black women who are working in, you know, whether they're working in beauty salons or, or hotels or wherever. I mean, a lot of, there's a lot of low income in the black community, and that black community was destroyed. He knows it. That was de- it was destroyed, really, by the Democrat Party back, you know, late 60s, early 70s. It was decisions made. LBJ. You really, you really got to understand society. this history. Society. So society. So Barack Obama had a unique opportunity, and he blew it. He blew it because that was not what he was asked to do. OK, what he I believe, and this is my own analysis of everything that we see now. You did a great piece the other day and I just I put it out this morning on uh, on Twitter, at least, where you talked about the World Economic Forum. So, you know, when we start to th- I mean, a really good piece, it's really, really it's only like 14 minutes or something. Uh, but it's a really good piece. And, um, and I, if it was on YouTube, I'm surprised they haven't you know, shut it off. But everything that I'm talking about, you know, it's when you look at this country and you say, how do we get to here? How do we get to, you know, what else you say, 250 years? It's struggle. It's absolute struggle. It's sacrifice. It's it's, you know, being willing to give your life up all those kinds of issues. Like I say, you know, sacrifice and freedom, you know, they come hand in hand in hand. So, you know, why did Barack Obama not do things to me that would be that would be unifying? They were not unifying. And I think, I believe, and, you know, you can argue with me about it, but I, I believe, and I, and I definitely sense it, and I saw it, I, I think, that the big plan, the big, you know, strategic plan was eight years of uh, Obama, eight years of Hillary, and and the Great Reset would be complete, and uh, and I wouldn't be here. But a guy by the name of Donald Trump, you know, like him or not, you know, he's he's got, I don't know what, 72 felony counts against him for like 750 years or some ridiculous thing. You know, I'd I'd have been worried about, I'd have been worried, and this is how arrogant they are, the, the, the sort of the enemy, right, the enemy, how arrogant they are, had they indicted him for like two counts, maybe one count, right, had Smith had just indicted him for one count, told these other courts, and had something, actually had something. I'd be really worried. One or two counts, I'd be like, man, they got something on this guy. They got they they actually have somebody who's got video, audio, tape, you know, evidence, whatever. But when they put them, when it was like you know, sixteen counts, twelve count, whatever the numbers are at the different courts, and it ended up with like seventy and you know, over seventy felony counts, then you know that this thing is a sham. It's an absolute sham. And I think that we're going to find they're going to fight uh, uh, tooth and nail to. To not uh, to not let this thing to not let go of it to not l- lose control of it. And when I say they, the it's the, sort of the, the, the these globalist powers that that are holding on to this thing right now. I want I want to follow yeah. up on
1: this because you know for me when I think about a a an Obama and Trump, they, they couldn't be night and day of two you know opponents, right? You, Obama made fun of him, Trump made fun of him. Trump went after him for you know you weren't born here, birth certificate, all this stuff, and Obama said at least I'm a president, you're not, and when I think about the two names he gave, I think about is he trying to misdirect Trump or Mm -hmm. if he's saying you, why is he saying you? But before we get into that, let me go to our sponsors real quick. Today's sponsor is American Heart for Gold. With all the craziness that's going on today with interest rates, you're seeing what's going on with mortgage rates today. The highest it's been in, I don't know, Tom, 25 years if somebody wants to buy more. Most people can't afford to buy a house right now and prices are not dropping. People are wondering what's going to happen. Inflation all these other challenges for me for the last 20 years I've always owned gold is one of the things that I've owned I'm not saying 10% of my assets or 5% but a small percentage I have owned gold and I recommend others to do the same as well especially when 93% of central banks are working on a CBDC according to a business survey and seeing what's going on with crypto being volatile you know if you are a crypto person so you can still have crypto and have a percentage being in gold as well what these guys do is they'll go they'll ship the gold or silver directly to your front door. If you want to do a rollover, they'll help you do that as well. They take a look at your accounts. They have the finest products. They have five-star ratings from thousands of reviews. A-plus on uh, Better Business Spear. Tell them I send you, and they'll give you up to $5,000 free silver on your first order. And if you click in the description or call 866-939-6984, again, 866-939-6984, or you can text the word PBD to 65532. Again, text the word PBD to 65532. 3-2 with American Hartford goals. So going back to it, with this whole thing with Trump and Obama, one, they can't stand each other, okay? And I don't believe they trust each other. And so I'm sitting there saying, you got how many names to give things to to say bad things about? Okay, so he gives your name. Why is he giving your name? Story comes out afterwards. Well, you know, the dealings, Russia, all this stuff, and then, you know, report, investigation, all of that things that happen. So we are sitting there as American people. We're like, did this guy do business? How long did he last as a national? Was it 24 days? What was the amount of days? 20? Yeah. yeah some, some some mm-hmm. number like that, you know, and then and then so everyone said, well, look, Scaramucci lasted, what, 7 or 11 days, you know? Days. You know, Flynn lasted, you know, 20-some days. And I've had Bernard Carrick before. When he was under Bush, he lasted for a few days. You know, it's like... So is it a targeting? Do they fear you? Is there something yeah, they're you know, worried so, about? What yeah,
2: is the real reason? Yeah. You know, the, the, so those other roles, the role of national security advisor is a, uh, does not require a Senate confirmation because it's supposed to be a person that the president is able to bring in to be his advisor on national security for the country. And people think, oh, national security is all about, you know, foreign, it's all about wars overseas. National security is about education. It's about border security. It's about economic security. It's everything, right? So you have to have somebody with an array of experience to be able to sit into a position like that or understand if you bring somebody in that they know how to work with other members of a team, right? Very, very important role. And so I always say that the coup... Uh, against against a duly elected president and and uh, and against this country started on the fifth of January of 2017. A very famous Oval Office meeting, fifth of January, five January 2017. That that actually came out in my case when we started to to really break evidence, but it also came out in the Durham report and Durham's uh, uh, hearing in front of Congress, which was just recently a few months back. So. You know, and you asked the question and I'll, you know, I'll, and I'll, I'll restate it a little bit because it's not Obama made it about himself. Trump, to a degree, at that moment, made it about himself. And and it's not about either of those men. It's about this country and it's about how the how this country continues to move forward. Now, I can tell you that Trump has learned a lot, a lot. He's learned a lot about not only you know like hey I got elected president in 2016 you know a, a tough campaign tough battle everybody will will get behind me now no no okay because we have an element in this country and you know and I'll, however detailed you want to get into it I'll get into it with you but but we have an element in this country that that is is working their asses off to get control of this country in a different way when people go. You know, the, that Trump is a threat to democracy. We don't live in a democracy. We live in a constitutional republic, right? People vote for their duly elected, their elected leaders. So Obama, to do that in that in that time frame, you know, it was like, it was an indicator. I, I, I work in the world of indicators and warnings, okay? That's been my life in the military. So it's an indicator to me, like, man, there's something going on. It's not right. You know, there's just—but, you know, again, we're working very hard to transition the country— to a new president, a duly elected president, by the way, and uh, and to go off in a in a, in a um, in a direction that was clearly going to be different than what Barack Obama had set for eight years, right? For eight years, I mean, he doubled the uh, he doubled the debt. So he took ten trillion dollars of debt from from uh, uh, Bush in his time, in his eight years, he doubled it. We had about twenty trillion plus debt going into the the trump administration so that and you know i mean that just begins to compound compound it's nuts and and people don't even american people don't even understand it these days because they say trillion shit most people don't have a few bucks so so you you begin to look at and you go okay so what happened well a guy got in the way a guy got in the way of the direction that they wanted the united states of america to take right and this goes back to and i've Really studied this, and and uh, and you know, and you you probably just listening to you the other day, you know, this business about this World Economic Forum and this you know that's the globalists, right? So now, now what I say is we're now in a place where and, and you know, argue with me or 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 your listeners out there, you're great, listen, you got a great audience, you know, your your listeners. This is sort of a a, a time where we're where it's not like Democrats versus Republicans or or. You know, the Warsaw Pact versus the West. This is now globalism versus Americanism. And Americanism is really, you know, it's, you know, the, the 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 tangible component of Americanism is America, is the United States of America. You know, the piece of geography that we stand on here that still has 50 states, right? And so Americanism, you know, so what does that mean? You know, the 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 uh, the folks in the mainstream media and the mainstream media is not CNN it's not MSNBC that's cable news it's the big corporate media it's ABC CBS NBC that's mainstream media so the the mainstream media with their cohorts in in cable news they want to they want to say if i say americanism they're going to go well he's a he's a white christian nationalist i have mean, been called every name in the book you know uh you, you know your our moms tell us a lot of things my mom used to say sticks and stones will break your bones but names will never hurt you get back out there you know get back outside and don't, I don't don't come whining to me right i mean in the family that i grew up in so you get back out and you you know you dust yourself off and you stand back up so americanism is about it is about being an american being you know believe in our constitution believe in our bill of rights understand the damn thing. I carry one around with me. I, you know, I, I, t- I show it like this, not like that. I show it like that because that's the Constitution. That's the Bill of Rights. And that's the Declaration of Independence. And it takes you like 45 minutes to read. You know how many people have read this? Hardly any. One percent, man. Hardly any. I mean, people don't read it because it's like they just believe it. They, they just go, oh, you know, I love, you know, America. So Americanism is a combination of things. It's a combination of really... You know, our First Amendment, which is all about our ability to be able to say what we want to say, you know, without hurting. I mean, we don't want to hurt people. Uh, I think that that's, you know, I, and, I, and I know I, I, I probably have. Um, in fact, I know I have. But it's also about your ability to practice your faith. I, you know, I don't care if you're purple with pink polka dots and you pray to trees. I mean, that's, if that's what your faith is, right? I mean, I served in the military, for example. For example, I served in the military under Bill Clinton. You know, come out of Reagan, you come out of Bush, you go into Clinton. And one of the first acts of Bill Clinton was don't ask, don't tell. Now, I think you were... No, you were out of the service by then, right? Or no, you hadn't gone into the no, service I by then. Yet. You I didn't. Know, in 97. Yeah, you went in the yeah. '97. You went in like five or six years. Tail later. end of the Clinton so, administration. So, so uh, uh, Congressman Les Aspen becomes Secretary of Defense. Les Aspen. he he comes in. Their first policy is "Don't ask, don't tell." Well, what does that mean? Most people don't know because most people don't serve in the military, right? But "Don't ask, don't tell" was had to do with gays and lesbians serving in the military. And as long as you don't, you know, as long as they don't talk about it, we don't care if they serve, you know. And we looked in the military, you know, you don't care. I mean, you know, you know, serving in in the in the particularly in the unit that you served in. You don't really all you care about is they're ready and they're willing and they don't you know, they don't give up on you. You don't fight because uh, you don't fight for. For, uh, I say you don't fight because you hate your enemies. You fight because you love your country or you love your family or you love the soldier on your left or your right. You love. You love. We fight out of love. We don't fight out of hate. So, you know, when I, when I talk about that particular act, right, the don't ask, don't tell uh, introduction into the Army, I mean, people look at me and they go, oh, geez, you know, he's this, this, they box, they try to box us in, okay, and today... I call that a narrative assassination, okay, a narrative assassination, because and so that's what they did to Donald Trump. That's what they do to all of us. You, you're you're lucky so far. I think you're lucky. Maybe maybe you felt some of this. But the narrative assassination, you know, if you if you look at and just got to read some of the books, you pay attention to what they did to people like John F. Kennedy, Martin Luther King, Malcolm X, uh, Robert F. Kennedy, Jr., You know, why why haven't we released all that stuff? And Trump should have released it all. He should have been pounding the desk, release all this instead of, you know, recently he said the other day and I and I'm a big fan of Donald Trump. I, you know, don't 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 uh, don't take me wrong. But but, uh, you know, uh, I mean, I'm one of these guys like and this is why back to your question about Obama, I'm not enamored by these people. You know, we all like I I was taught as a kid. We put our 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 pants on one leg at a time kind of thing and and. and uh, I've met with kings, princes, generals, admirals, presidents. You know, you look at them, and it's like you know. I look at you, and I say, you know, what have you done lately? Kind of to, to do what I believe, and I have a very, very strong passion and a belief. Uh, and but I try to check my emotions about this country because I know I've studied our country. Uh, I've studied world history. Uh, I, I know what sacrifice is. I've seen and and known guys that I've you know known who have been killed uh, because they signed on the dotted line. You signed on the dotted line. You didn't know why you signed. You just you you needed to get out of your neighborhood or whatever. But you signed on the dotted line. Okay, I'm going to go 101st. Sounds cool. You know we're going to jump out of helicopters or planes or whatever. You know I'm going to go do this stuff. But what you really signed up to do was to give your life for this country. That's what you don't know when you're you know you were probably 18 or 19 18. 18 years old most kids don't know that and and i to, to me I, you know i'm not i'm not one for universal service but all these things that i'm talking about is has to do with americanism americanism is who we are in this this mosaic this fabric of this country and the other the other part of this is also you know back to your question i was joking with uh, with adam calling him Owen, and there's a guy out there named Owen who who will understand that. But uh, So part of this, for me, to your question about Obama, so you don't get to be the uh, head of an intelligence agency, one of the largest in the world, okay? because you're an ass-kisser. Maybe sometimes you get to some of those places, but not in that. For me, it wasn't that way. Or you don't get there because you're stupid, or you don't get there because you're you know, you're committing treason. I mean, you're you're doing these... You get there because you've demonstrated a, a potential and you've demonstrated a, a level of expertise that says you're, you're the right guy to put in that job. So it's not just DIA, because people don't know... They don't know CIA, right? They don't know DIA. But it's not just DIA. It's the whole industrial, military, security, intelligence complex. And in my life certainly my the second half of my career as a as a not only as a tactician but as a strategist and as a as a warrior, understanding war and and you know you mentioned I have all these master's degrees, one of them is 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 in war. It's a master's in war. you know they call it military arts and sciences, but it's a master's in war. So where you study different things so i I understand our government very, very well. I understand the complexities of our government. I understand the agencies, activities, commissions, and departments that we have. Donald Trump visited Washington, D.C., maybe eight times before he became the president. And, they, and most of it was probably to visit his his uh, beautiful hotel. He's got these beautiful, you know, he had a beautiful hotel there now, and I understand now he, he, they got rid of it, and it's like falling apart. Yeah, it's the old
0: post office.
2: It's an yeah. amazing hotel. So, so you got a guy in Flynn who's going to come in, doesn't have to get confirmed by the Senate, so I go right into, I go right to work. I'm the second guy he actually appoints that Trump appointed, and uh, and so I go to work right away. I'm a, I'm going to work. I'm transitioning the government. I'm transitioning the the entirety of the security state. These people knew what questions I was asking. Why? Because I was in the White House talking to Susan Rice multiple times prior to the fifth of January of 2017. I keep going back to that date because that's the date of the coup. Now, I won't get into the details unless you want to waste time doing it, but that's a very, very public meeting. There's a lot of information about that. A lot started to come out, in my case, where we started to break evidence that was being hidden hidden from uh, the
1: so let's go, let's, let's go to that. Cut
2: me off any time, because yeah. you guys no, got me going. Uh,
1: I mean, listen, we want to also hear what, what uh, your, your perspective, your POV is. That's a very uh, good perspective to get. But so uh, Twitter files happens, yeah. right? There were a lot of people in a smaller scale. There were a lot of people at Twitter that were afraid about <clears throat> Musk buying Twitter. Why were they afraid? They yeah. trashed him. You know, this new guy came in, took over before Musk, whoever the CEO was after Jack Dorsey. What was the guy's name? Singal, hey, 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 Rob, can you pull up the name of the CEO of Twitter before Musk took over after Jack Dorsey? So everybody was like, "What? Well, Jack Dorsey is this. Jack Dorsey is that. Jack Dorsey this. And then all of a sudden, the new guy comes in and they're like, wait a minute. You guys are worried about Jack Dorsey. This is the guy you really want to be worried about. It's the CEO that came after Jack Dorsey. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, there you go. That's what it is. Agral or something like that. Yeah. So, like, oh, my God, yeah. you got to be careful with him. He's the re- He started changing stuff. He can't do this. He's banning this guy. He's banning that guy. Yeah. Okay. And then he buys 10% of the company, and he gets on the board. We're going to make it work, and he buys the whole company, and then Twitter files comes out. And then we're seeing emails. We're like, whoa, so you guys asked about this. Yesterday we had two guys here who are straight, Krasenstein brothers, <laughs> and they were on the podcast, and we're having a great conversation with them during the podcast. You know, we talk about – you know, how the Twitter files showed that there was an email from the government to them telling them, hey, don't release the New York Post article because there's not enough credibility behind it. And if you do, if the world finds I mean, you're it's describing,
2: bad, you're describing elements of sedition and treason and collusion between the elements of the United States government. OK, key Key departments, key agencies between the United States government. Which is insane, by the way. And, and, a, and a private tech company that has an ability to control a lot of voices, to control the—basically to, to curtail speech in a lot of people. I mean, you mentioned uh, you know, the Twitter files. There was, a, there was a, a list, a targeting list. right? Trump was number one. And I was, I was knocked off on, uh, I think, the 7th or 8th of January of 2017. I was number eight on that list. And I hadn't tweeted. I mean, I think I, after, I, after I had received my pardon, I think I finally tweeted. I, I started tweeting again. And I had maybe, 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 I don't even remember, maybe 100, maybe from the time I had come on until that point. And so. But here's where I'm going with this. This, yeah. is, this, this is the yeah. point I want to make to you because for, I'm trying to
1: connect the dots. Uh, uh, either you're a bad person or you're somebody not to be trusted based on what Obama was saying to Trump. Yeah. Either that's what it is, or yeah. the element of what happened with Twitter files was about to happen because you had access to information if you were to go to get in as a three-star general where you'd know where to look, that if you were able to expose what they were doing, it could be Obamagate, it could be a lot of different things. This could be Watergate 2.0, this could be a lot of that, so hey— if there's the one guy that can make the connection of Obamagate, it's him. We yeah. definitely don't want him there. But it has to be one of the two because if not one of the two, you mean to tell me out of 7.7 billion people in the world to fear you're one of them, a three-star that gave 33 years to, why would we fear you? Why would he have yeah. to be worried about you? It it prompts so many of my paranoid, skeptical side to say you you must have something on them or you did something wrong. But can, It can only be one of those two things.
2: Yeah. It's not so much having something on him, and this is in this case. I'm assuming you're you're talking about Obama. It's understanding, yeah. Like there's a phrase, you know, that that people have uh, characterized me, uh, knowing where the bodies are buried, right? So again, I said that I said that I was doing transition meetings with Susan Rice. Okay, now they'll watch this. So maybe YouTube won't cut you off here, but. They'll watch this because they'll understand. You know, they'll, want, they'll want to know what's going on. What am I thinking? What is happening? So these transition uh, briefings, which are big deals, you know, there's all kinds of programs that go on in the government. One and one of the things that the National Security Advisor also has uh, and gets are things like these FISA, right? These FISA applications, right? So, mm. eh, damn near everything other than what the president of the United States decides he's not going, in this case, he is not going to tell me about, right, everything goes past the national security advisor, everything. So everything previously, okay, because from from the previous administrations to the current administration, everything. So if the national security advisor says, okay, I want to see every single presidential finding from the very first finding, Okay, now people can go look up presidential findings, okay And you say, okay, what's a presidential finding? Presidential finding are are things that that for the most part, a finding is something that is so sensitive, so necessary to protect the sanctity of the United States of America that the uh, that the president has to sign off on it. He's got to you know he has to sign something and in presidential findings, are are many and uh, and they're very uh, you know they're they're classified they're very sensitive so I won't go beyond just describing what a presidential findings are finding is because you know they've been written about and there's there's plenty of information about them so when you talk about presidential findings so so I I asked about them right and and then you start to ask about because if if you go back and look at one of the things that I did at the Defense Intelligence Agency, I I initially went in and I started to do an audit because I wanted to you know you take over a business, hell your your the IRS is going to audit you every year, right? When you take over a business, you take over a unit, you you kind of look at the different things that are happening, and, and you know so when I took over DIA, I did a I did a uh, an audit, I did an audit of the of the. You know, it's a it's a billion dollar corporation, essentially a multi-billion dollar corporation with almost 20,000 people. So I wanted to do an audit because I knew the people I knew a lot of the people. So fast forward to this other part of the con- of this conversation is that so now I'm asking questions about things that the National Security Advisor must know, must know. And and they knew it. And so there are different organizations and there's principally one organization is coming in to talk to you about these things. And at the time, I can tell you because I knew about him because as the DIA director, you are privy to uh, the presidential daily briefing. You get a you know you get that read to you every day. I mean, I, and I I operated at at a, at a very strategic level, so I I knew the the uh, the inner workings of the uh, of the military-industrial-security state complex. Okay, when I say security state, that's that's the intelligence community, all of them, right? So I operated at, uh, at that level, and I had always been uh, like a like a good you know reconnaissance soldier, right? I was always probing, probing, probing because I wanted to know if I'm going to be in charge of something. I needed to know everything that I needed to know to be able to be successful to support my bosses, right? And in this case, the President of the United States. So there was a lot of things that I was asking about, and now all of a sudden we go into the final phase, you know, of the transition, which is really. January, and that's why I say this, January 5th meeting in the Oval Office was a very important meeting uh, for Obama. Obama led it. Joe Biden was, was in on it. <clears throat> Clapper was in on it. Sally Yates, Jim Comey, John Brennan, uh, Susan Rice. And, and that meeting was really a meeting to, you know, this is the get Flynn to get Trump, okay, which is a very famous statement. Okay, been all over the internet, right? Get Flynn to get Trump. In fact, and you get ready to bleep, okay, because it's first we, well, I'll just say first we F Flynn and then we F Trump, okay? So these are these are real things. These are real people. And you know what? I was, I was advising a lot of people. Trump won. And I and I like to say that I hope that I helped him win the presidency because I would get up in front of Twenty-five thousand people at rallies going leading into the twenty sixteen, and I would introduce him as the most imperfect guy you're ever going to vote for president,
0: huh.
2: and people would go nuts. American people don't want perfection. American people want somebody who loves this country, somebody who loves this country, and somebody who actually sounds like they know what they're doing. And then when they get in, and and and, and again. He was a he proved himself in his own track record as a businessman in the media and all this. So he had a bit of a proven track record. Now he's been in the now he's been a president and he's got a great proven track record with all of the craziness that he's had to deal with to include guys like me being poof, cut out from underneath his knees, right? And and there was some and this this is not just on the Democrats or on Obama. Okay, there are some and we call it the Uniparty, you know the we, we we define the Uniparty in this book, so there are some in the Uniparty in the establishment of Washington D.C. that likes the way things are operating, and some of those were right inside the White House. Okay, and and uh, so they were they were already surrounding him, and they definitely did this to a degree in the campaign. But I don't think we realize it to the degree that we realize that I realized it later. He definitely has realized it um, now. As many people and as great of an enterprise as he has in this in the whole Trump orbit, you know, you, you still when you get into politics, when they say it's a blood sport, it's a death cult. OK, it's not a blood sport. It's a death cult. And they will kill you now these days, like I said, that's they kill you by narrative now. So so there are people in and around the inner circle that also were part of this. I mean, he had the two houses. Right. The tricameral system we got judiciary, legislative and executive. He had the the uh, the legislative on his team for the first two years. Build the wall. Right. Pass all kind. Man, did he have a tough time. Why? Because the people that were there hated him. They hated him more than they loved this country. And, you know, so. I mean, you—you you got me under one of these soapboxes. Are those
0: people that he? has. some
2: had, of them are still different. there. Some of them are yes. still there. Some of them are running for president. Some of them are are, are external to the um, the uh, the Washington D.C. circle, but they're now in places in the media, and they're you know they're doing other little. They're 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 out there still, and they're still uh, wanting to get. Mm-hmm. But I, actually, they're still on somebody's payroll in some cases.
0: Well, this goes back to my initial question. So these
2: are things that. Are so st- I'm sorry, yes, sir. So these are things that get back to your your uh, your great question, Pat. These are things that I know. Okay, know going in. So these aren't things that I'm just now imagining. Okay, or these aren't conspiracies, right? These are things or conspiracy theories. These are things that I knew going in, and and I'm trying to also take a take a national security apparatus. Case. You can look at all the agencies and activities, but also the, the the structure of people inside the White House. I walk into the White House. So under under the cold during the Cold War at the height of the Cold War, where we had nuclear against nuclear, uh, we had national security advisors that had like twenty five to to forty people inside the White House working. You know, in, when in the White House, there's a there's a couple little buildings around it, but like less than fifty people at the height of the Cold War, where we had a half a million troops stationed over in Germany. Are over in Europe, half a million. Today we barely, and we, today we might have, you know, 60, 60 70,000, half a million with all kinds of capabilities to go to war, right? We had maybe 25 to 50 people in the national security team of the White House. When I walk in the door, there's 500 people, 500 people. You know, again, you you know, you, you swing a cat, you're going to hit somebody that's on the national security staff. You see all these people in the media that sit on places like this, and, you know, national, national security something, right? I mean... So many people. If you need an expert, if you need an expert in the White House, you go ask for one. I want an expert on, on business or entrepreneurship or gold. or wh- I'll get somebody. I'll reach out to the best in the world, certainly the best in this country. I don't need to have 500 people wandering around the halls wondering what the hell they're going to do. I, I used to call them when I did go to the, finally go to the Pentagon, I used to call them wall walkers. Wall walkers because you would go down the hallways of the Pentagon. You ever been in the Pentagon? So you get down the hallways of the of the Pentagon, and you see people coming. I'm one of these. I like to engage, right? I like to say, "Hey, how you doing today?" Right? It's the way I am. So you see these people, and they'd walk along the wall, and they'd just be kind of looking at the wall, like looking at the pictures, because they didn't want anybody to grab them. They didn't want anybody to say, "Hey," because if they were afraid, if somebody grabbed them, these are wall walkers now in the Pentagon. If somebody grabbed them, they were afraid that they were going to have to go do some work. Okay, and I use that metaphorically because we got a lot of people wandering around in our government right now. So that's, that's the other part about this. It's to say, look, what are we doing? Are we going to have a, federal, a federalism where we're going to have a, a bloated government and everything is controlled by Washington, D.C., and, you know, and we're, we're, we have— well I'll use, I'll use my buddy Klaus and your buddy Klaus, right? <laughs> we we own nothing and we're happy, right? We own nothing and we're happy. So when you have that, I know all that. I knew all that going in. And they had to really, they took on that 5th of January day, and I keep going back to that because it's public information now. They used the full weight of the resources of the United States government to get the sitting national security advisor, who was already chosen by a duly elected president of the United States out of office as fast as they can, as fast as they could, the full weight of all resources in the United States government that they could bring to bear, okay? And they did. Ultimately,
0: wasn't that on Trump, though? You were forced to resign because Trump, he publicly made that speech. He's a good guy. He's a fine guy. No, Trump said he lied to me. But you you lied lied
2: to Pence. Yeah, I said, well, he lied. He lied, right? Right. But you still have his back. I do. How do, you, how do
0: you grapple with that?
2: Yeah, it's a big. thing. I mean, yeah, because you could you could say, and I've, I've been you know public about it, that could be his worst enemy. Right. Right. I sat through. I sat through as a cooperating witness with the Mueller inve- the fake Mueller investigation because I knew that there was nothing there. Okay. Mm-hmm. And they ask you. So yeah. So why do I why do I stand with this guy? And it's not so much that I stand with with Trump as a as a. As an entity, like a lot of people, you know, people are enamored. They want to get photos. They want to, you know, want to get a signed hat. I stand with Trump because right now, unless it's a guy like you or somebody else out there, right now he's the warrior that has put himself and his entire family, his entire enterprise, you know, on the docket to to help this country. I know one thing about Trump. Trump loves America. He absolutely, he dearly, dearly loves America. And when you see somebody in their sort of worst moments, and there was times, in, particularly during the 2016 campaign, that I saw him like that, uh, you know, or that I had conversations, you know, intimate conversations with him about this country. Because we, you know, we met 2015, right? I'm not like some you know, long-lost buddy from New York that played baseball with him, right? I mean, and, um, and, it, and he loves his family. So I so when I and I saw him do things to f- for people for just the regular guy or regular guy. I saw him do things when nobody else was looking in the military. You know, you're judged. You're judged by what you do when nobody else is looking. Mm. Okay, your standard is your standard when nobody else is looking. You know, you're you know you're a lieutenant. You're a private. You're told pick up the cigarette butts right and maybe you're walking down the street and nobody's telling you to do it, but you do it because you just know it's the right thing on a, on, a, you know, on a military base or on your yard, right? Somebody throws trash in your yard, nobody's, you know, whatever. This is a guy that loves this country. He loves the direction of this country. He wants to be just like it is, just like the Constitution allows, where we have another element. We have a very dangerous element in this country, very dangerous, and when they say, me, to me, they point at me and they go, he's a threat to democracy. This isn't a democracy. This is a constitutional republic. But they never say he's a threat to the constitutional republic. You don't hear the parrots out there going, you What know, do you fear the most right now? What are you most concerned about
1: right now with America? I mean, I know you, we, we talk I, yeah, globalism so, versus nationalism. you got to establish that. Not nationalism, nationalism, not nationalism. Uh, Americanism. Americanism. Okay, so what what is your biggest concern? What's the biggest threat we have in America right now?
2: Yeah, I I, uh, I think the speed the speed that things are moving, uh, I, I I pray that the, that the speed in which we are moving toward uh, sort of the end the end of times the end times here um, is moving faster than most people uh, can can sense, you know. So that's my my anxiety, I guess. If I if I wake up at times and I think, man. You know, can we do this? Can we, you know? So the speed in which things are happening, uh, and I think it's purposeful now. I don't think it's no. There's no more hiding of what it is that they're they're trying to do. And when I say they to the audience, you know, to you guys here, I mean it's a it's a it's a it's a globalist crowd. You know, world. If you had a headquarters, uh, like you got the commanding general, the 101st Airborne or 82nd, you know, or, or whatever. Uh, you know, you got the World Economic Forum, and and Klaus Schwab is kind of the face, and then you have like he said a couple of weeks ago, we have 600 of the smartest people in the world, right? I mean, so then you have uh, world bodies, World Health, World Bank, World Trade, uh, International Monetary Fund, uh, Europe. You can throw the European Union as sort of an unelected subset. Uh, United Nations, uh, and there's other global globalist alliances and bodies, and we'll, and maybe I'll talk about global alliances. But I I think the speed at w- that we're moving. So how do you how do you overcome that? You know, how do you overcome that? And, uh, and actually, I only because I think you've, you've actually—I I use the phrase local action has a national impact, but you, uh, you gave six or seven uh, things in the end of your, uh, your pitch there the other day, which I thought were good in terms of what can people do, right? What can people do? And I, I do believe that um, our elections and our election process is at risk, right? That's why we're a republic. Uh, and we elect the people, but I do think that our election systems are at risk. Um, I think the entirety of the system is at risk. There's no way in the world that that, uh, that Joe Biden got, I think it's whatever, 15 or 17 or whatever, million more votes than the most popular president in the history of the country, which by votes is Barack Obama. Okay? So there's no way in the world that Joe Biden got that many. There's no way. So that's what I believe. Right. First Amendment. So they're indicting, you know, they're back to the indictments that I said earlier. They're indicting a lot of people for saying the election is rigged. Um, so our elections, our elections are broken. They're definitely broken and we cannot operate in this country. So as I and I didn't talk to, with Tom or or are uh, you, Adam, about your families. I talked to Patrick about his family. I I mentioned I have kids and grandchildren. So. If there's one thing that I understand, it's, it's, it's um, you know, how many, how, many, um, how many nation states have risen and fallen in the history of the world? A lot. Okay. So, you know, when I joke, I stand up on a stage sometimes and I say to people, have you ever met anybody from Byzantine? Byzantine. <laughs> you know, Byzantine. But somebody goes, it's Byzantine, right? It means it's old, right? Well, because they, it doesn't exist anymore. Right? there's some dust underneath a, a, a desert in the in the Middle East, maybe, but it's everything else. It's Mesopotamian Empire, it's Islamic Empire, it's the British Empire, it's the Athenian Empire, you know, it's the Roman Empire. Right? All these empires have come and gone. So now we have this thing called the American Empire. And so the fact of life, the fact of life is, is that empires rise and they fall. And and there's reasons why. So as I really looked hard at, at like Athens, you know, at the Athenian Empire. Overextended as a military, they had the great. No, they had all kinds of wealth. You talk about gold and precious metals and stuff. I mean, they had a lot of gold, right? They uh, uh, they were economically going bust, really, they, because there was they were hoarding it to a degree. But you had all these different, and you had elements in their government that began to kind of rise up, and they wanted more power. So the, the whole idea about Washington D.C. So the analogy is, when you look at these empires that 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 fell and they no longer exist. I mean, it was only between, uh, I think between world war one and world war two where the British sterling was still a currency of choice around the world. The U S dollar really didn't get, didn't come into its four until after we showed the strength of the United States of America economic system, particularly after world war two. So that, you know, the, I mean, and now we're talking about the U S dollar, uh, is at risk. So, to me, it gets back to my my sort of, you know, 60,000-foot answer, Pat, is there's a, there's a speed that is occurring, uh, you know, right now in history, okay, and you think about history as being in the past, but no. So history is also in the future. And so there's a speed that is occurring that I'm afraid that that most Americans are just now waking up to that, and they're going, you know, like, holy shit. Can we really do this? Can we? Can I? Do we really have a a selection system or an election system? Right? What What do we have? I mean, there's polls out there, if believe them or not. But there's polls out there where the American people, a lot of them, don't believe that our election system works for them, right? A lot of people don't believe that that certain elections were won by the guy that's in office. So, I mean, it's speed right now, and to me. Uh, I know, and I again. I maybe it's maybe it's my own anxiety. And people that that know me well, guys that know me really well, that I that I served with mainly in the military, uh, they would say Flynn's always been like that. Always been like that.
0: The, this and question, I, because of... I
2: worry. Well, I worry. I, I'm sorry. I worry sure. about. I worry about the future of this country. I don't know why. Mm-hmm. I just do. And now that I I was blessed to get into the place that I was in, to help, you know, even Obama right? To help, they took my legs out. And so people can think what they want. Like I said about sticks and stones, that doesn't matter. You know, it, it, I always, I tell people, define yourself. You define, you're a, you're a classic example of somebody who's decided whatever you did, I'm going to be who I am. I'm not going to care about other people and I'm going to go and I'm going to be successful because this is what I believe. This is what you believe. This is who I am, Who who I was as a kid and and who I am I'm I'm not changed since I was 5 years old
0: <laughs>
2: ever I mean I, you know again people that I know that you can't have in my life and know most people don't this I I don't cuz I don't say it you know I say it once in a while you know you can't be married for over 42 years and be with the you know with a woman who's I've been together with since we were like 13 years old holy moly okay and 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 uh and you can't have friends that I have from my days in Little League or Pop Warner Football that are still friends that I have today that would, you know, they call me Flinny, right? I mean, Flinny. so what's going on? I mean, that you cannot have that and be that kind of a person and then be defined like the way they've defined me. They try to box me in. And so you have to go back to the big question, right, which is what you guys have been asking me. Why? Why? Because you're looking at a guy who knows where the bodies are buried, metaphorically. Mm-hmm. Okay? So I know exactly what rugs to look under. I know exactly what things to, to, to shut down. Because there are, in this country, there are billions and billions and billions and billions times whatever you want to you know throw in there that are spent on bullshit, on, on things that no longer matter to the security of this country and we should be totally refocusing on on sort of this world that we are going into because we you know the longest serving empire in the history of the world i think is uh, still the islamic empire like 1200 years how did they survive for so long and you can go back and look at all that and go okay wow they they lasted a long time why so can the united states of america can this empire how much longer can we go another 250 years
0: let's hope uh, this concept of war Pat asked you about the enemy you said that you had a masters of of war basically yeah right what would you call it It's a master of military arts and sciences uh, masters of war yep. so you just talked about the, the longest running empire of all time the um, Islamic Empire um, there's a documentary on you called holy War we all know that you know from our radical Islamic terrorism days sure. that Obama wouldn't mention and you would mention uh, loudly that the word for that is jihad. You know, you're talking about you're fighting a war right now. You've said you've, you're fighting. America's fighting a spiritual war. Yep. Um, also a political war. Many would argue that we're fighting a lot of culture wars right now. So you're a general. You're familiar with war. Um, who full on is the enemy? Like name names. And how do we win the war? Yeah. So um, so I walked through that just just a little while ago
2: with uh, guys like Klaus Schwab um, and a in a element that uh, put that together I mean uh, the world economic Forum you go back to 1971 1972 time frame and it was really uh, Henry Kissinger has been a you know lifelong member of it I've met Henry Kissinger a couple of times you know bright guy um, very uh, I- interesting guy uh, to meet and I did that as part of a transition into uh, the national security advisor position so so you have so that's sort of a You know, if you want a face and a name, that's kind of that's one of those people. Right. And then you if you pay real close attention to everything that they do over in, you know, sort of their their headquarters in Davos, Switzerland. So a lot of people, you know, I think because of of what you have spoken about, um, a lot of people know that they know that they know that framework. They know that uh, that those faces and some of those names and you you I think have laid that out. So I don't think it's so much about—it's kind of like when you—when something bad happens to you in life, okay? And and you—I think you've talked about this on your show in different ways. But all of you and everybody that watches this, when something bad happens to you in life, you're not going to be judged by that. You're going to be judged by what you did about it, okay? So right now— we're going to be judged, the solutions, the solutions to moving forward are it's not that something bad has happened to America because something bad has happened to America. Okay? Mm-hmm. We have become lazy and we become apathetic uh, in our, you know, to back back to your your descriptors of spiritual, cultural, political, physical, emotional, intellectual. Those are all descriptors of things that we are facing right now. You know the intellectual component is, you know who where do you get your information All right if you just read the you know the headlines and you just read the first uh, uh, paragraph of an article which is they've done studies on this kind of stuff where how much you know what, what does people actually read when they read a you, know, you send a, an article of that's a thousand words or 1500 words or longer or 40,000 you know, people only read the the topical stuff so there's an intellectual war that's going on where we're being bombarded by noise okay there is a uh, uh, an emotional world going on, all of this stuff that we're being attacked by with, you know, if you don't take the vaccine, you do take the vaccine. We got, fr- we got families against families. we got friends against friends, neighbors against neighbors. We have communities against communities. You, you know, you talked about, uh, you know, radical Islamism Christianity, Judaism, all the different, you know, all the different big face and, and other face. So there's a, there's this narrative to go after and to get at that emotional uh, component. And, and also that includes a physical component because so the physical side of this is, you know, the the uh, the issue of of uh, of they call it quant theory. Right. It's the uh, digitally tagging human beings. Right. I mean, you got the the you got, you got the um, the uh, chairman of uh, Pfizer the other day sitting on a panel and he talks about a pill. Now, that's an electronic pill and it activates when it hits your stomach, and it gives off signals. Well, I mean, how many people know that? I don't even know if you guys know that, just looking at your faces. I mean, he just said that the other day. So, I mean, there's a, there is a physical thing that's going to begin to happen, and, and I'm, one, I'm one of these people that I like technology. I love innovation. I love the effect we applied it in, in, in big ways on the battlefield. But then you have this cultural component right, the descriptor of cultural, this cultural war against children. And I always say when people go red lines, you know, Obama talked about a red line in Syria, and then he, and then he let the Syrian, he let it, he let them get, come past it, right? So for me, my red line in life, and I appreciate you mentioning in America's future at the beginning, my red line in life is anybody, anybody who uh, abuses children, anybody who abuses children, I care whether it's the mom or the dad, I, I, my father used to whack us, but you know, because we deserved it. But now, you know, it's different, I guess. But um, but anybody who abuses children, and I'm really talking about the, you know, the whole uh, sexual abuse and, and exploitation of children, that's a red line for me. And so, but that's that's happening through the narrative. So there, there's also a physical a harm that's going on, but they're culturally immersing our children in everything you turn on, right? Everything you turn on, Disney, Right. I mean, you know, I mean, I don't know if you you have commercials for Disney, but you look at these different shows and they're very dark. You know, I mean, I was joking with somebody the other day, but then she corrected me. She goes, well, who was Snow White's mother? I said, I don't know.
0: The wicked. Uh... Well, she was the stepmother. Yeah, exactly. Because I think we covered the, this. Yeah. I think the mother was dead. Yeah. You know, so all these the wicked stepmother stepmother that wanted to kill her. Yeah.
2: Stepmother. Correct. So not the mother. So it's kind of like. You know, they, it, there's this cultural thing that's been going on a long time, and it's been going on, you know, for uh, 50, 60, 70 years. And then the biggest thing to me is the spiritual one, which, again, is a, you know, growing up as a as an Irish Catholic kid in a, in a, in a, in a, I mean, we didn't wear it on our sleeve. You know, we went to church. I, I was, was joking with one of your members of the team where he was talking about being an altar boy. I used to be an altar boy and a choir boy, you know, young, young kid. Mm hmm. But the spiritual component of what is happening in this country, and I mentioned that one major news outlet uh, this past week—I think it was Friday—had an article about the decline of Christianity in America. Okay, and everybody would know know uh, uh, what the outlet is. I won't mention them. But the decline of Christianity—that that, that Christianity is on decline. Yeah, it's on—it's in decline in this country. I think that's. See, I think that's that's a a, a major news outlet of record in this country that is starting to tell us what they're going to come at us with next, okay? To, and that's why they they get after me and other people that I that I'm now hanging out with about the the, you know, Christian nationalism, some, you know, Hitler-loving Nazi, right? I mean, that's seriously, this is, that they want to box you in. And I don't care, like I said, I don't care if you're purple with pink polka dots, but I care about but I, do,
1: but I do believe there is a decline in Christianity in America, though. I do believe, uh, the the uh, I don't believe there's a decline in Mormonism. Uh, I don't believe there's a decline in uh, uh, a Muslim. But I do believe there's a decline in Christianity. But my argument is in a different way. I think, yeah. you know, uh, uh, they've, they've lost a bit of their boldness. They're more scared. They walk on eggshells. Muslims don't mm-hmm. walk scared. They don't walk on eggshells. They're bold about their beliefs. They don't sit there and allow people to bully them they're not tolerant like many christians that are kind of going around allowing people to bully them and the christian denomination doesn't know how to market itself and be united to to convert young young kids there's a lot of people that are doing a good job around there but the numbers say otherwise but but i want i want to get a little bit specific and, and i want to be able to hit like 10 topics in the next because i think we've got an hour left so if we can go through a, a few issues that'd be great one uh, fifth generation warfare, right? You talk about your guide to fifth generation warfare and, you know, how we're not talking about, you know, explosive. This is non-explosive. This is, you know, right. complete different, you know, power grid. This is Internet. This is mind. What are some of the fifth generation warfare that you're concerned about?
2: Yeah. So uh, another part about this it's the citizen's guide. So just 30 seconds you can see these, and you would you would know this in your time in the military. May I? Yeah, you can see these. These are like like field manuals, like a military field manual or military tech manual, because we could fit books like that in our cargo pockets, right? Mm-hmm. And uh, so it's the citizen's guide, and it's written you know in layman's language, right? So the fifth generation warfare, so and it, and it's a it's that's a bestseller that you got in your hand there. This will become a bestseller. And when would you ever buy a book that gives you a a, a test at the end of every chapter? So when you if you look at that, we give a test to to make you critically think about what you just read or what you believe what you just read. Like, how do you believe that? So it's not to, like, say you must believe this. It's to say, think critically about what it is that we're facing. So the fifth generation warfare is it is a war of narratives. It's a war for the mind. It is it is psychological and information operations at its finest. The the. I have always said in my days uh, as a as an intelligence officer and having to study our enemies that if I can think it, and I tell my I tell my bosses or the or the troops I'm I'm, I'm you know explaining what this is what the enemy might do, so here's what we might need to do, they would go well, that's how that's that's crazy. I go look guys, if I can think it, they can think it. So there's masters, there's masters at this level that are on the other team, okay, and they have they have the corporate world large corporate body and that that's not just uh you know US corporations that's global corporations uh they have the corporate media right to be able to take take and they also have now they have some big voices they have people who are prime ministers they have people who are presidents they have people who are kings right that are part of this that have voices so the more we can have a narrative out there and what this book tries to do and what this, both of them, because this is about artificial intelligence, what they try to do is to explain to people, for those that want to read it, explain sort of the, the, I call it, you know, the sort of five W's, right? It's what it is that we're involved in. Who are we up against? What can we do about it? How can you operate within this realm, right? So, for example, we now, uh, I, I met a bunch of people out in uh, Nevada this past weekend, but i in the last month or two, particularly for this one, so I, we now have churches that are buying bulk orders of these, and they're doing training sessions inside of their churches. Because I do want to address your point about the Christianity thing. I, I think that it's it, it because you use the word marketing. That's that's part of our problem because ministers, pastors, priests. I'm a Catholic. They have turned this thing into a business instead of a instead of a, a faith, right? And because 501c3s and fours, you know, they got they got to take care of it. The government doesn't want to be bothered. I mean, trust me, I, I I have I have learned more about this stuff in the last couple of years. So, but this is all part of it. Everything that I just said is all part of the fifth generation warfare because we don't want to, you know, we don't want to. I say go to the gates, right? We don't want to go to the gates. We don't want to. And I and MSNBC every damn night they're on, you know, they got somebody on saying Flynn's, you know, he wants violence. Bullshit. Yeah. I mean. This is a debate like one of their one of the values of your organization. Right. One of the values of what you talk about is the ability to debate, because from debate, you get new ideas, you get new ways of doing business. Did you see what Morning
0: Joe said about you recently with Richard Haas?
2: Yeah. Who are both who I bet both and 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 Haas Haas, you know, uh, Council of Foreign
0: Relations. Yeah. Yeah. But what did they say? They, well, they talked about what happened with you and Trump and Pence, and but very boldly they said this man should not have security clearance or any sort of confirmation, and that the combination of Donald Trump and General Michael Flynn is toxic to our national security. That's Richard Haas, former diplomat, yeah, yeah. And MSNBC mm-hmm. contributor. It's fascinating. Why does he think that?
2: And he said that the other day. Yeah, this so, is recent. Yeah, because you almost have to ask the question, Why? Why do they still fear me? Why? Why do they fear me? Well, you said because you know what the bodies are buried. I, I already laid that out. Mm-hmm. They fear me because they have zero control over me. And my, my control mechanism is based on what's best for our country. Mm-hmm. Okay? But can it be like, and, there were
0: other generals in the Trump administration. You had Mattis, you had yep. John Kelly, yep. you had McMaster. Right. So these guys, I also assume if they've been in the in the business of war, where, are, where the are they today? That's my question, is that they also, I assume, know where the bodies are buried and none of no. them speak highly of Trump. No, no, no. Why you no. not? That? Now,
2: now you can say McMaster maybe got dug in a little bit, but I, I don't believe he did. I know all them. Mm. Uh, I know
0: all of them. But uh,
2: no, I mean, you don't think they know. There's a, no, I don't. I don't.
0: Really? I what don't. separates you between the rest of the generals?
2: I think I think. Uh, I'm, I am uh, in one of these places, and I also, again, in, in the types of questions to ask, because um, that doesn't mean that they're not smart guys. They're not, you know, they've served our country. They've, they've sacrificed our country, particularly with General Kelly and his loss of his son. Um, but I, I think that that their mindset, and I'm again, I'm sort of I'm trying to say what is on their mind. You know where are they today? Do they not believe what is happening to our country? Do they do they think that 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 five to ten million maybe maybe it's more that are invading our country? Do they think that over one hundred thousand killed in action on the streets of America by fentanyl alone, just by fentanyl? Do they think that that's fine? Do they think that the war in Ukraine is fine? We're, that's a loser. It's a loser. So do they think? And so where are they? So. You know, it's kind of like, you know, speak up or forever hold your tongue. And in this case, uh, Adam, in this
0: case, you know, we could lose this country. Can't they also agree with that, but maybe think that Trump is not the remedy for that? Because these guys all Trump. Then you know what?
2: Then here's what I would say. Then then Jim, right? Kelly, Mm -hmm. McMaster, go run for president. Go put your name in the hat. Maybe people will go, oh, yeah, we need this guy. Go run, go do something instead of sitting on the, on the sidelines or up in the bleachers, right? Yelling at the coach (laughs) saying, coach, you don't know what you're doing. You're stupid. You know, whatever. Put this guy in, put that guy in, Mm -hmm. right? Sitting in a, in a place where they're, where they're not putting their, you know, again, they're, they're, and I know they put their lives on the line, but now this is different. This is different. Why don't you run? You know what? I've thought about it, and maybe in the future I will.
0: I mean, I don't know. What about a Trump VP? Can you see that?
2: I will tell you that the tough, the tough question to to answer is: Are those questions about serving the you know in the country? You know, but I, I'm not. You know, right now, right now, it's kind of like uh, a, an athletic competition, right? You know, you're you're going to have uh, two guys this weekend, right? You're going to have uh, Mike Tyson, and uh, and Tom and Tom Brady, right? Yeah, sure. Tom Brady, he obviously knows, and Mike Tyson knows about champion that the championship match. Brady knows about the Super Bowl, but you get to those places by 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 a series of steps and preparing, right? And I think right now, this country, we can't even we can't. Worry about the Super Bowl. We can't worry about the championship match until we get to, frankly, from my perspective, all these people around the country that are really starting to wake up. There's an awakening going on in this country, and I, you know, if you go go back in and we don't need to talk about it today, we we'll go back in and dig in to the uh, those who vote in this country, the numbers, the percentages that are Christian, that are Catholic, that are you know faith based. they they're actually still still what gets this country through an election. You know, if, if I, it, I, I'm,
1: I'm sitting here for an hour and a half just listening to you. I'm trying to see what have I picked up, and I, I want to be as respectful as possible. Yeah. So, okay, question about why Obama came after you, uh, 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 because you know where the bodies are at. Okay, fine, no problem. So let's put that one there. You know, fifth-generation warfare, I still don't know what's fifth-generation warfare. I really want to learn what is fifth-generation warfare. Asking the questions about... Um, You know, uh, uh, different issues that we have. I, what I'm interested in with somebody that's been in that space. I want to get as specific as answers in the shortest amount of time as possible, so we can hit up a few different topics. So for 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 you, you know, we're voters. You're on the inside, right? I want to know, you know, what the biggest threats are. You said World Economic Forum, Klaus Schwab. He said, who are some of the figureheads? You went to United Nations being one, EU being one of them, World uh, Health Organization, fine. We went to some of these other things. But it's a lot of generalization. I'm trying to get more specific to see what we should be worried about. So as an American myself, I got a few concerns, okay? I'm wondering, you said election is one of the things that we have to be worried about. Okay, so I understand going back to the election side and it is frustrating. You think Trump won, totally get it. Now we're going to see what's going to happen. I think the not allowing the tweet to go out to New York Post that really hurt the election, the fact that we didn't find out what it was because somebody on the inside didn't want to put this email being out. But I I want specifics. You know, aside from World Economic Forum, aside from, you know, uh, 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 globalism versus Americanism, which, you know, America first, we're talking to the fellas yesterday, and I'm like, listen, my border in U.S., southern border is 10 times more important to me than protecting ukraine border i'm concerned about our borders is what i'm concerned about right and and the christian stuff you know when we were talking about that i've spoken to so many different pastors i think christians suck at marketing i really think they suck at marketing and telling the story and uh uh you know, unfortunately, they also don't have a backbone. They're very easily saying yes to everything. They're yeah. afraid of everybody. They're walking on eggshells. They change their messaging on the Bible because, God forbid, if somebody takes that clip and sends it somewhere, they may get canceled. So the, the, the bravery and the, and the courage is gone a bit for some of them. I know that's a big part of your life and what you're doing. When you're going around everywhere, you go, my sister's going to come here to meet you because they can't wait to get a picture with you on how much they respect what you've done. But I want specifics, General Flynn. You've been around the block for a while, a, lo- a long time, 33 years military, three-star general. When you're a general in the military, you're no longer in the military. You're a politician. Not a politician, but you have to get kind yeah, of elected to get to, right. You are that's appointed. Right. This, that's yeah. not going to be handed out to anybody. That that's takes right. real work, which means you're on the inside. Um, specific, specific, specific. America right now with this election, election every four years, the same message comes out. Let me tell you why this is the most important election of all time, and you should be this because if this is it, we're going to lose America. That message has been repeated by God knows how many people. Reagan said it best when he said we are all one generation away from losing our freedom. And it seems like every four years, just let's if, – if I was somebody that was in this space, I would have taken a 30 lines that everybody needs to say because you say this in sales when you're running a company or when you're doing interviews – the average person knows the 20 questions you're supposed to. What's your key to success? And da, 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 da. I got it. I want to know real stuff. But if I had these quotes, yeah, every, this is the most important election, this more, most is, fine. I'm concerned with the America that I came to and the America dream that we bought into. Mm-hmm. I think America, many of them are confused. I think COVID, we could have used to unite. Just like 9-11 kind of united America, COVID kind of divided us. We're not united today. And hearing you speak on what you think the enemy is, hearing the other side speak, hearing you are the enemy, the guy that's in the middle who doesn't follow this stuff, he's like, holy shit, whatever happened to the United States of America? This is a real concern. Exactly. We should drop the United States, right? We should drop the United just States of America. What's the true concern that you have today that's different than the previous however many elections we've had?
2: Yeah, I, I think my the difference that I feel today is that if we do go through another election with a similar outcome, that we are going to rapidly move towards, uh, and I would call it the United Socialist States of America, uh, with a with a a uh, much more than just an overreaching government that overtaxes us, but a government who controls our lives much differently. I mean, we haven't gotten into uh, you know digital currency, or we haven't talked about. Uh, you know, digitizing our, our, our bodies. Um, but I I do believe that we are moving towards a, a United States that, uh, is more states than United. And I do believe that if we have a similar outcome, whether it's Biden or whoever, and I don't, and I don't think he's gonna, I just personally don't think he's going to make it, but, but, um, that we will move in a direction where, and we may we may be what they what they like to call a democracy, but we're not going to be a constitutional republic. And there are people in our government, so there are members of the House of Representatives, members of the U.S. Senate, members inside of the the bureaucracy for sure, the government bureaucracy, and and people inside the White House that see the future with a, a different form of our constitution a different uh, way to, to uh, impose our bill of rights and a system of government that is much more controlling than allowing you know some kid from wherever from LA to join the army and then become what you've become right i mean now, some will go, oh, no, no, we're still going to have that. There's still going to be those, ki- those kinds of people that we, we need to have that because we need to be able to run the engines that we run. But the majority of people in this country, you know, they're not like that. They're not in that top 1% or top 10% even. So I really do believe that that's, that's the threat that we're facing. And like I said, you know, maybe too quickly, the fact of life, the fact of, of human history is that nation states rise and fall. And so, where is the United States of America on that spectrum? And maybe I'm, uh, I'm I'm overly hyperbolic, but my sense is that I'm not. And I'd like to be, and I like to be really big. You know, I would like to be mistaken about everything. But when I see what I see, because you're absolutely right about marketing and just they're just chicken in terms of the these that are running these. You know, and and uh, I've run into many of them. And that's gonna be that's gonna be one of the one of the, the downfalls or demises of this country. Because I don't believe, you know, the the congregation of America is in decline. I actually believe they're looking for leadership. I think this country is this country is looking for leaders. They're looking for strong leaders, you know, leaders who put who put everything ahead of themselves. Okay? Instead of putting their egos somebody becomes a governor, okay, we're sitting in Florida, somebody becomes a governor, and the first thing that happens is a whisper in their ear going, hey, you can be president of the United States. You're going to be president of the United States someday now. As soon as they put that bug, that's the day they win the governorship. Somebody's whispering in their ear. And so that's why you see all these people. It doesn't mean that they're bad people. It doesn't mean that they're, they couldn't be good presidents. But why do we, why do we put our trust in this country, into lifelong politicians. Okay? That's why they hate guys like Donald Trump. That's why they despise somebody like me, because I was a Democrat. I got appointed twice by Obama, I said.
0: Which is still crazy.
2: And they look at your whole file. It's like, well, he's a Democrat. Because so, you you're get you done being promoted up to two-star. You get appointed after that. You know, it's a political appointment. And so you know where is on the landscape of america because i i've met some of these people who have who are i think are strong leaders who are in the world of business and they're running great organizations it's like but they then what do they do they they let somebody else run for politics like you're asking me i could give a shit about it i'd rather be i'd rather be playing lousy golf surfing i love the surf got good, good surf right out here right now you know so i mean I'd rather be doing that, but I'm not. So why why me? You asked me about Mattis, Kelly, McMaster. Where are these people, okay, in this country? And so when I look at people and I meet a lot of them, everybody wants to meet and say hello and I'm sorry for what happened to you, blah blah blah. And I love that. It's it's humbling. It's humbling experience. But right now, our country, I know we have great leaders. We just don't have them in in the political class of our country. I just don't. I don't believe that. I I, I don't. Now, that's that's generalizing because there's a few. There's a few. But when you look at somebody, you go, man, how long have you been in politics? Well, I started as an intern, <laughs> and I've been here for, I've been doing this for 40 years. I'm like, you know, you never created anything. You never, you know, I mean, I, again, I... Uh, how, do you, how do
1: you feel about Governor Ron DeSantis?
2: I think, he's, uh, I think he's a little bit, I think he's been a little bit too much milk toast. You know, I think he's been just He's, he's, you know, when you look at you look at how he got to where he's at, you know, and and now what he's now he's sort of turned on some things. I mean, I think it was a big mistake for him to say, "I'm going to run for governor. I'm going to be the best governor," and then he jumped off that train and now he's running for president.
0: What does milk toast exactly? Milk
2: toast is just basically somebody who's. You know, he's uh, you know like not not assertive, not like this is what I, this is what we got to do. You don't That's think DeSantis is assertive? No, I don't. No, I don't. I don't think he's assertive enough. There's pl- there's problems. I, I live in Florida. I've been here for a couple of years. I pay very close attention to my my communities and my counties mm-hmm. and what's happening in this state. And I think that there's there's a lot of other things that uh, education. There's some areas in education that he could really get in uh, get on top of. Uh, I I lived through Ian last year. You know where. And and the town I was in was was wasted, and you go all the way down to Port Meyer, and you know people over there are still it's still devastating. And you know, after a couple of political speak. things, you know, you get down there, you do some do some uh, you know hand handshaking. Now it's like where are you at? You know where
1: are you at? Didn't he build a bridge like within three days? And, and by the way, this I'm I'm very critical of Governor Why, Ron. Fine, Santa, fine, fine. So a bridge,
2: not- a bridge, but it's like you know there's a there's a fishing yeah. fleet down in Fort Myers. I, and again I I I just know that. It's like the people of Lahaina. People are going to forget about Lahaina here in a little bit, and what we can't do is we can't. We have to. The the one thing about leaders, okay? I'm pointing it at you, Pat, because you talk about this and you you uh, show this in your in your organization. Your values are a part of it. You know, the, it's the idea of being able to juggle multiple balls at the same time. I agree. The people in a in a in a great organization, the leaders at the top, they got no problem juggling multiple balls. Okay. The, uh, anybody that wants to run this country better be able to do that, and they need to be able to do that. But they also need to be able to prioritize what are the top two or three things that I got to worry about every single day to make sure that the that the engines are are, are running smoothly, the trains are moving on time. You know, I got to do that as a president or as a governor. But I'm going to be. I'm not going to drop these. Yeah. Not going to drop these.
1: So, how many balls do you think President Biden can juggle? Just <laughs> curious. It's a technical question. Maybe you yeah. know the answer to
2: Yeah, it. yeah. Are they are they rubber? <laughs> Soft? Yeah. Yeah. Who, 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 who else do you think who else do you I think I got is, him to laugh.
1: Who else do you think is when you're looking at the candidates. I'm sure, I don't know how you feel about Vivek or how Nikki Haley did with the whole yeah. debate of Vivek, Vivek is
2: well spoken and he's razor thin uh in terms of his exper- his uh, experience and a lot of people go oh Vivek you know he's very well spoken, very articulate. Uh he's razor thin. In terms of his experience, so you, you ought to have him on and ask him about some of his. Background. We've had him. On.
1: We've had him. On. We did that town hall. We did multiple. How long things ago? With him. So I'm sorry, a month I ago, that. Three weeks ago. Yeah. We, so, so do you do you? Th- uh, so somebody may say, "Well, President Trump was razor thin with experience in politics when he got elected. So why support him and not be excited about Avivec?"
2: Yeah, it's not it's not razor thin in politics. Actually, that would be a badge to wear. It's, it's razor thin in life and people experience. And to me, that's a really important aspect of a leader is having somebody who really has dealt with a lot of goods, bads and uglies, a lot of organizations, a lot of uh, employees, if you will, you know, a lot of things and and uh, and had to make really tough decisions.
0: Well, if he's too young
2: and Biden is not, too not old. Not young,
0: young. You know, much. inexperienced. I yeah, get it. Yeah. yeah.
2: What's that? Yeah, youth. Idea? Youth is not a is not a criteria for me. Well, there's a difference which, between
0: no. uh, wisdom and being smart. Wisdom comes with experience and a lot of times age. You know, the conversation these days about Biden is he's too old. You know, Trump's way more energetic, but he's only four years younger than Biden. Mm-hmm. What are your thoughts on this whole? Age restriction, especially even in Congress, what what age should the I don't president think, no, be? No, I
2: don't think age matters as long as you got all the faculties and you're healthy. I don't think age matters. I, I really don't. I don't think age matters. Now we have a we have a a, a constitutional age for president, but 35. Right? But that's, uh, but I think that that's that's good. That's fine. You know. Mm-hmm.
1: You you said you said when when Trump was picking VPs, it was Newt Gingrich, it was Christie, it was yourself, and it was uh, uh, Pence, right? Yes. Who, who do you think right now watching? There's a lot of different talks on who would be the VP. Is there anybody on stage at the GOP debate that could be President Trump's VP? I don't see anybody that, uh, you know, there's talks of different people aside from Tim Scott. Do you see anybody that could potentially be the VP? Mm-hmm. Or do you think it's going to be from the outside? It's not going to be I, from the stage?
2: I think he's got to really consider that choice because I think he made a poor choice the last time. And I think the American people know that. They definitely know that now. And uh,
1: with Pence, yeah, I do. Yeah. Do you and Pence have a relationship?
2: No, no. When was the last time you guys spoke? Last time we spoke was the night that I left the White House. I actually disagree with. Pretty unbelievable. I disagree with you that he made a poor choice. Hang
1: on, hang on, one second. I want to understand the the last time. The last time you guys spoke, what was that like? Was it you know?
2: I told him that. you know that I'm sorry that I put him in any kind of a position I wasn't right, quite sure but and uh, and you know he we had a you know intimate conversation
1: and uh, intimate I, friendly or intimate straight up like intimate straight up like okay. two men got it uh, got it
0: but i think he was the most loyal vice president ever until january 6th or until that day I remember thinking well, I don't Mike know. Pence, I mean I don't not- know cuz
2: I left the White House. So I don't know what the, what, well, the you know I can't define the loyalty well, factor. Well,
0: everybody listening doesn't have the inside view that you had nobody does. But if you could just look at it from, you know, the macro perspective, this guy is the exact opposite of Donald Trump. He is a, you know, Christian man, evangelical from uh Indiana, you know, this guy won't even be in a in the same room. Have
2: you with- ever seen that that Seinfeld episode where where Elaine goes fake fake fake? Yeah. You ever seen that?
0: I, well, I love Seinfeld, so yes. You're saying that that's all an act?
2: I don't know if, if you've seen that that episode. It's a great episode. But...
0: Bizarro Jerry
2: episode? No, it's a... It's, she's talking about, you know, I think having... <laughs> right? He knows. He's seen it. He knows what I'm talking about.
0: Oh, the sexual stuff. Gotcha. Orgas- fake, 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 fake. Got it. Yep. All right, cool. What are you saying that about Pence for? Because on the surface... Because was... you just
2: said three things, so I only use fake, fake, fake. If you had uh... maybe said another fourth, fourth thing that I... would Disagree with, I would say,
0: fourth. So, w- all right, well, let's. let's so, I mean, as Pat I, has know, requested. So now
2: you guys are getting a sense yeah. of, you know, thank you for allowing me on your show. I'll <laughs> probably you. never be back on. No, no not, or You guys not will never invite me back zero, on. Zero percent the general. Guess. But this, 0%. Is now, this is now
0: a time. Ton- well, you're um, calling Mike Pence fake yeah. multiple times. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. What's fake about him? His book.
2: This book that he just came out with.
0: Forget his book.
2: Him. Oh, no, no, no. Him. Because it's a, it's, yeah. it's, it's, he's telling. You write these books. That, you know, this is not a book about Mike Flynn. Mm-hmm. He t- he wrote a book about him, mm-hmm. and you know, so you got to really dig into the book to see what what kinds of things he talked about that are that are not true. Okay, so I can't judge him for the loyalty. I can only judge him for the for the moments that we met, talked, sat down, interacted uh, in different uh, different cases. You know, and again, I I. Uh, so you know and this will this will you know probably be the part that gets you know gets a lot of uh talk about this show but why is it that we're always talking about politicians running for politics that's a problem in this country okay so for all of you and for anybody that's listening all these people that bitch about politicians and those people up there are corrupt because and that's all we ever talk about we talk about politicians like you're asking me about politicians running for office again mm-hmm. instead of leaders that I know exist in this country stepping up and saying you know what kind of like what Trump did Trump could have he could have said ah, i ain't going to do it i'll just get I'll, I'll get behind somebody and i ain't going to do it look at what that man has gone through in his family I know what I went through, okay? So did he go through it because he likes to be punished like that? No. He went through it because—and and has he stuck to it because he's a politician? No. So that's my point for you guys. That's my point for your audience is that we have allowed a political class that has consumed this country, and we always go, all oh, those people, you know, let them do it, okay? Let them do it. Because I'm going to go make some money. I'm going to go run a big but, business.
1: But I have a rebuttal for that. Okay. I, I, I would push back, uh, General, with all due respect, and I would say, why don't the other guys run? You can run. Right. You know, why, if, if you're saying let's choose a leader, let, let's get those leaders to have the brass to get on the stage.
2: Yeah, exactly. So,
1: so But I don't, know, see,
2: I don't think that's a pushback so much, Pat. I'm but, sorry to cut. But, to, to, but,
1: you know, like for me, the, the thing that was admirable about Trump is the fact that you got, you got an incredible life. You're right. giving that up for the dirtiest industry to get into? You kidding me? You you got a life where you have a TV show that's been number one for 15 years. You're going to all the parties. You're hanging out with everybody. You're having an incredible go golf anywhere. People welcome you. Going to an arena. You're going to a stage. It doesn't matter if it's the left, the right, rap. Everybody looked at this guy saying he's the American dream. Then you want to get into the space. Now you're saying leaders. I totally agree with you. We don't have a lot of leaders that. Uh, are are wanting to so for me i would think from a from a guy like you i thought you would be a vivek guy because vivek is a guy that's a he's made his money he made it at a young age he's went out there worked. you see pictures the other day a video of him asking questions of reverend jackson he put it on his instagram when he was 18 years old and he gave his you know valedictorian speech like wait a minute this guy's been planning for this for 20 years this has not been a thing that he hasn't had and he's selling america great so Anti-establishment. Yeah, and he's sure. an anti-establishment guy. He wants to shut down pretty much everything. No, Tear he's got, down all the agencies. He, he's got to deal with a lot of the controversy that he's got to deal with. He's going to have to face. Yeah. They're going to come after him as well. He's going to have to answer the question about the Soros, the World Economic Forum, which he is doing regularly back yeah. and forth. And that's normal. You're going to have to face that when you go through it. But as much as I agree with you, why don't you guys go behind closed doors and recruit people who want to run? Why is it that these politicians keep running? Because the the same can be said, like even the Christian church. I'm a a Christian, and my life changed in a dramatic way when I— Went to Shepherd of the Hills in LA, and I met Pastor Dudley Rutherford. We've been best friends since 20 years. He, I changed my wedding day from a f- Saturday to a Friday just so he could do our ceremony because mm-hmm. he would preach on Saturday, and we we have a very good relationship together till today. Life changing. Our kids on Sundays would rather listen to and watch the, you know, on the what do you call it, uh, on the screen than going to church because they want to hear Dudley's way of telling stories. They love the guy, but i don't see them stepping up i had a meeting with pastor dudley a, a few months ago and, and a couple of different pastors myself i'm like why aren't pastors running why aren't more military people running why aren't more you know business people like even when uh who's the guy from starbucks who ran howard schultz and he got trashed because hey he has to apologize about being a billionaire and he kind of backed down a little bit because he wanted to run as a democrat and then he realized it doesn't matter who you are, Mr. Democrat or Republican. They're going to come after you. He then got a taste of his own medicine.
0: And he had to, so, he had to give a little pushback yeah, like but, a man. But to me, it's it's, kind
1: of the to, to me, it kind of goes back to what we talked about yesterday with Brian and Ed, is the fact that, man, it's, it's the, the climate, uh, uh, General Flynn. Like, I, it's hard. It's so hard that it's getting some people where they're – I visualize this conversation. This is what I visualize. I visualized the conversation. You know how Mark Cuban is kind of like, well, I talked to the wife and the kids. I'm not running, okay? But I talked to somebody else yesterday who's in media who you know very closely, and he says, bullshit, bullshit. This whole line everybody uses, I talked to my wife and kids, and I've decided not to run because we're going to do this. He says, Pat, can you imagine you having to talk to your wife and kids about running for office? If you chose to run for office, you're choosing to run for office. I agree with the guy on what he said. With all the dirtiness that's going on, some people are just saying, you know what? I'm going to skip this. I'm just not going to do it. So there almost needs to be the conciliary relationship. Some people like you that behind closed doors that come in and say, look, man, let me go through it. They're going to target you. They're going to ruin your life. Your kids are going to go through it. Your wife's going to go through it. Everyone's going to go through it. But guess what? You're going to die in 20 years, and America's bigger than you and I. Okay? So if you love America, you love God, and you realize that you're eventually going to be dying, and your legacy can be to give back to the country that changed your life, you got to run, okay? Those types of people, are there people like that behind closed doors that are going around trying to nominate some of the guys that we think would make a good president? I don't know if that camp exists.
2: Yeah, I, I, I believe that that camp exists. I believe that people have, uh, have uh, leveraged their uh, uh, networks and their knowledge about how dirty it is um, and try to convince people to do, you know, to run. Uh, I you know I think that um, some of the some of those that you mentioned what I wrote down here was people that are like really wealthy you know that are that have the the resources they're so you know the, like a big businessman or or woman who's you know run large organizations and done well they they then jump into the political arena and it's like they're ashamed about their success people should not be ashamed about their success. Trump is not ashamed about his success. He's not. He's a guy. It's like, hey, I, I, you know, I worked my tail off and I, I got a great thing. He'll he talks about it. Uh, you know, Romney. Romney was an example, and he's really he's he's sort of like an in between guy. Although he's been in politics a long time, but Romney tried to do the while he was running for president, he tried to do the blue jeans and you know, like a cool guy, like he's one of us, right? <laughs> I mean, and and it got, it turns people off. Like, right? don't be something that you're not. If you're a if you're a good leader and you've done well in life, don't be ashamed of that. In fact, be proud of it. I, we wanna we look at you and we're like, man, you did it. I over. agree. I, that's what I want. I agree. Right? I going to look at a guy like you and go, man, this guy's done really well. How does he done it? Because he works hard. He's smart. He's he's he deals with people. He deals. I, that's with how issues. I look at you. Thirty three years, three star. You know how hard it is to be a three yeah, star. You,
1: when when I was in the army, when a three star walked into the room, we froze. Yeah, you go. I can way. tell you how many times I saw a three star in the twenty and a half years for being in there. I fully agree, but why
2: aren't those guys running? It's funny. I think you 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 know you described it with all of the how much they're going to attack, right? So if you're not if you're not on that team, okay, and we've been talking, you know, I I don't, you know, that you're not on that that sort of team on the left. Sure, okay, you're not on that team. They're going to come after you really hard, and and why do we know that? How do we know that? Look at what they've already done. Yeah. So the the you know the infiltration because you you've been, I want you to be specific be specific you know the the infiltration that's been going on in our government has been out, going on for a long time. Trump was a you know in, in history in U.S. history, Trump is going to be and he and he'd get pissed, but he's but it's what it is. He's going to be kind of a blip in history, but it could be a blip that either shows that. There was a guy that stood up at one moment in in U.S. history that was fighting for the fighting for everything that we believe in that this country was built upon. And he was fighting for us and we didn't get behind him or, you know, or he wins again. And and we have some breathing space. We have some breathing space because he's not the he's not the answer. He's not the you know, he's not going to be the answer to all of our problems. We've got a lot of problems in this country. So. You know and, and, and in terms of, 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 of other candidates, like in this case, because we mentioned Vivek, you know there, there are people out there, and you've got to examine these people. As time goes on, I mean there's no more examining me. You know you, you can you can go and look at whatever you want. It's all out there. Now you might have to go to the 20th page on Google to find some real legitimate stuff, but you're, there's no more examining me as people are going to start examining these people, and it's starting, particularly with Vivek. You know, but others. Pence is another one. They, you know, the the analysis of I mentioned his book, the you know the kinds of things that he's done. A lot of these other guys that are at like they shouldn't even be on the stage anymore. If you can't get like five percent or something, you you know it should be like a cutoff. Like an, like if you, you know you're if you're not older than if you're not 35 or older or you don't get one percent, you're off the stage kind of thing. You know, so that you know the, Axios had an article out today. I think it's today about uh, you know uh, they said I think the the title was. Trump may consider Vivek as a vice presidential candidate. Now, who knows where that comes from, but, you know, and I'm fine with all that. I'm fine with all those, those type of decisions. But I just know that when I look at somebody, I'm looking at them and I'm saying, you know, are you ready for what is about to occur? Okay. And what is about to occur is you are going to enter the gates of hell. Okay. You're going to enter the gates of hell when you go into this arena. And, uh, and it's, and nobody – they're not going to be kind if you believe that this country should continue to be a constitutional republic based on this document, Bill of Rights, the Declaration of Independence, mm-hmm. all, of the, mm-hmm. all of the greatness of our country, capitalism, right, capitalism. And you work hard. You can make a lot of money. Go live a good life. Give back. You know, give back, right? My old man used to teach all of us kids, you know, the golden rule, right? Treat others like you like to be treated. Everybody, to me, it doesn't matter. I don't care what color you are. I don't care what suasion you are. You know, if you're a good person, you know, you're, you're going to treat others like you like to be treated, right? And never stop learning. Those are other, That's another lifelong lesson.
1: I think uh, uh, you're December 24th, baby, right? Are yes. You, you, okay, my mom's also December 24th. What a, what a night her. to be born, How huh? Christmas yeah. Eve yeah. gift. Uh, but, mm-hmm. uh, so, okay, so... Uh, VP, I think it, it, this is a this is a very weird. Why why I wouldn't have said Vivek before, and why Vivek could happen is for two different reasons. I think on first term, a Trump cannot have a Vivek as a VP. Uh, on a first term, Trump needs a low key person as a VP. My opinion. This is why Newt maybe wasn't a good VP for first term. Remember, he's okay. only got
2: one shot. I know he Trump does. only has one I shot. I
1: totally get it. So so whoever you choose as a VP. In a way, you got to think that's going to be the next two-year term you would want to be. So if you choose a vanilla candidate for a VP, that guy's not going to win two terms. Okay, uh, That guy's not going to win 2028. 20, 20, but if you choose somebody like him as a VP, he could win 2028 20, if you get him. If you choose a Tucker like a VP, again, I'm not saying it's going to be Tucker. I'm just sure. throwing a name out there. Tucker's not, not going to be. What
2: do you think of Tulsi Gabbard? Uh, I just because I saw her last as, night as a VP, um, yeah, for Trump, yeah, as a VP, I think not, not, RFK. Not, and I'm not pushing that. I'm just, yeah.
0: I, I just, I saw
2: her, and I, and I well,
0: know she's loved by
1: a lot of people. She yeah. is loved by a she lot of people. She was on the
0: podcast a few months ago. She's yeah. great.
1: She's loved by a lot of people, and she's a great communicator. And it would be a very interesting dynamic. Christine Ohm, you know, she's also, you know. The way she carries
2: herself. There's a few names, but I think, but but I think choosing the next VP. You see where we're going. We're yeah. going back to politics. We're going back to politicians. Yeah, uh, with, with probably the exception of Vivek.
1: Who Who is the best military leader we have right now? You can not nominate, obviously, outside of yourself. Who's a great military leader that we have right now that would make a great VP candidate? It's pretty wild that you got to think about
2: I, it. I know. I know it's pretty wild because it's, this is Commander heart- in Chief. Yeah. No, no, it's heartbreaking. It's heartbreaking. Yeah, it's heartbreaking. But doesn't it
0: come down to the Electoral College, and it's this is why, you know, they go with politicians because all right, Pence will lock up the Indiana white evangelical vote in the in, in or Governor DeSantis, he'll help us win to uh, Florida or whoever it may be. So that's why they always are going back to that well.
2: Yeah, I think that that's right. That's the way we've that's uh, that we've we've allowed our nation to be designed like that in in uh, in a lot of ways. And and you know, it's good or bad. It's just the way it is. And it's like, well, I need to get this guy on the ticket because I need these, you know, twenty six or forty three electoral yeah. votes, Texas or whatever. You know. Um,
0: Look at Kennedy. I, you
2: know, I'm out, you know. I'm am stunned a bit because I can't. I'm still trying to trying to. Uh, process your question, because I wish that I could sit here and go, this guy that's serving or this guy that just served, um, that, that, you know, they're, they're, there are great leaders, um, but you learn when you go up in rank that be careful that you don't, that you aren't promoted in the likeness of those above you and don't promote in your likeness. Meaning you want people that are going to tell you, hey, Emperor, you don't got any clothes on today, right? You want to—you know, the, the best person in a room when, you're, when you're, everybody's about to make a decision to, to attack, right? And, you know, the, it's the young kid in the back of the room that goes, you know, hey, is there any more questions? Anybody have any other—I'm about, mm-hmm. I'm about mm-hmm. to pound the table. Mm-hmm. And some little kid in the back, some young person goes, well, you know, was a, I think that's the dumbest thing I've ever heard, right? And you're like, holy crap, man, somebody finally has some guts to say something. And I, I, I fear, and I don't use that word much, but, but I, I fear now that we don't have that. We don't have that. And we have endless wars, and we get, and I said this, we, we, get, we get an F for winning. And you name a war that we won, don't go any further than the World War II. Don't go any further back in history than World War II. Name a war that we've won. And um, we get an A, A+++, plus for participation in war. How did we get there? So, um, I don't know. I just think that, uh, you know, we're in one of those places right now in this country where I, I do want people to—I to, to, want those leaders, those, those big leaders who are ready— and and frankly, have the resources. Don't be ashamed that you have that you've that you've done well in life. I mean, th- in fact, use it, use it to your advantage. That's the interesting thing about a guy like, like Vivek. He 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 uses it. He talks about how he made his money. You know, but I, when I think that people are, they start to examine some of the eachs and some of the details of how. There's a lot of angst against the pharmaceutical industry in this country.
0: Mm, Pat could talk for days about that.
1: Yeah, the, the, only, the only pro I would see of that. Is how FDR. And you know why Joseph I say Kennedy. that.
0: You know why I say that.
1: When I because I just from mentioned the, ads, the VEC. from the ad, no totally. I know how he made his money and I know his background. What you know yeah. the criticism of what happened with the drugs he bought and yeah. how some of these things were ones that you know the companies that went expired, out of business too went uh, out of business. He bought yeah. them and yeah, yeah, totally get it. I, I've watched that video. I've watched uh, all the criticism video of him because I get bombarded with those videos hundreds at a time. Yeah. But I think think about Joseph Kennedy. Complicated character, right? FDR used to learn about all the fraud that was going on in the SEC, in the stock market. Why? Because he kind of knew how to do it himself, right? So FDR brought Joseph in. It's like, hey, this is what we're going to do in a clean house. And, you know, the the stock market, Great Depression, which, again, Joseph was a part of. He knew how to manipulate it. Vivek knows how the big pharma stuff works. So what if he comes in and he works with some of these guys and changes some of the patent laws and we take – you know, big pharma from advertising. That's what. Not, by the way, he doesn't have to be a VP. He can still play leadership role. I'm just saying, if if he does, the 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 thing about him is we're assuming that he would even want to be a VP. He's now he said himself, I have no desire to be a VP. I want to be a president, is what I want to be. Uh, it, it, uh, if you have any final thoughts on this, I want to transition into Pergosian to get your thoughts on that. But if you Secretary have anything Secretary of to say, the Treasury. Secretary of the Treasury for him.
2: I think he'd probably do a really. Uh, amazing job! Wow, Vivek. I don't, okay. Now I don't, I don't. Again, I I I'd ha, I haven't spoken to him. Haven't had a conversation with him. And I and he, you know, he's doing what he's doing. But I think uh, when you look at that position, that's a very
0: very powerful position. Would it be better than Minuchin or Yellen? What would it be different? About? Uh,
2: I, I think he's got a. Uh, and 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 again, it's not those guys were good people, and I know them. But I think this guy. He he sees a future that's different because of where he has been, and I think that. Uh, so, you know, I don't, I'm not gonna. I, I am. I am sort of you know really digging in to all of them, particularly him, uh, but to all of them, and and seeing where is their heart. Okay, Jennifer, would you,
1: would you say you're a like? Uh, do you and President Trump communicate regularly?
2: Uh, I would say we communicate.
1: Okay, you know how. Christie is the one that helped uh, Trump pick Ray or some of these guys, you know, because yeah. christy was supposed to be the VP. So hey, you know, why'd you listen to him? Their buddies are, not, like, you know, they're
2: time New York, right?
1: Buddies. New York buddies, and now Christie's going after Trump and all that stuff. How important is the team you pick to help you pick? If that makes sense, how, yeah, how the varying. filtering team? How how do you how do you trust the filtering team? Because Trump only knows you since 2015, so when you come in in 2016. For a guy that's not been in politics, so you're saying let's not get people that are in politics, let's choose people that are leaders that are not in it. Yeah. How do they create the filtering team, the advisors, to help them pick the team?
2: Yeah, I think that one of the things that did happen in the 2016 transition uh, into taking over in 2017 was the Republican Party stepped in and did it all. You know, when you're, when you're elected as president of the United States, you have to hire in about six months— You've got to hire somewhere between three and four thousand people. So those are all of the currently all of the appointees, you know, secretaries to undersecretaries to assistant secretaries to commission heads, you know, all those kinds of things. So about three to four thousand people. One person, you know, a president, can't go and do that. So you have got to have a a body of people to do that. That formation back in 2016 was done by the Republican Party, and that's why I think we have we had so many uniparty problems, right? Um, and, and I think that uh, we—Trump Trump didn't understand that. He didn't understand that number. He didn't understand the, the dynamics because he wasn't a, a Washington, D.C. guy. So he's learned a lot. He's learned a lot. And, uh, and um, you know, he, he is somebody now who, to, to your question, how do you form that transition team, right? So how do you, how do you put together the right type of people— that they don't want anything other than what's best for the country, okay? So to put the best person as a secretary of treasury, and then you got to let the secretary of treasury or the secretary of defense, they then, they have to pick their team, right? Not, not because you were a big donor, so you're going to go as undersecretary of something, right? Or you're a big donor, you're going to go over to a really important uh, key relationship that we have as an ambassador to uh, Japan or South Korea, Right. Or you're going to go to Europe and you're going to be an ambassador because you gave the, the you you contributed, I don't know, a million dollars. Right. Uh, you, you're a smart person. You're a nice person, but you're not the right person. So we have got to now, you know, you know, we, we get into that. Let's let's assume that that we have an, a legitimate fair election and and we have the outcome that the American people want. OK. And. You know, at that point in time. Let's see what happens. Let's see what happens with the with the transition, because you, you know you're right. You're mentioning people who were part of my demise and, and part of America's problem right now is this current FD, FBI director, uh, who who doesn't you know he doesn't want to do anything for this for you know Congress. They get, call him up all the time, but I don't have I got very little time for for Congress right now too. It's, it's terms of in terms of how the this new House is operating. I mean. It's,
1: yeah, my my concern is who who he's going to trust to yeah, to help with be, the transition. Right. That's a concern. Let's let's talk about Pergosian. What just happened here? I don't know. Did you yeah, see the story? What I just did. came up? The next one. Uh, so, uh, genetic test confirms Pergosian died in a plane crash. Russia says, however, you know, I'll read this first, and then uh, there is uh, uh, other stories speculating that uh, he's not dead. So, Russian investigators <laughs> wow. have I uh, definitively. Confirmed the death of Yevgeny uh, uh, Prigozhin, the head of the Wagner mercenary group, in a plane crash. The confirmation was based on molecular genetic examination of all passengers on the crash private jet, which was en route from Moscow to Saint Petersburg and crashed in uh, Tver region. Prigozhin's name was on the flight manifest, extinguishing himself, extinguishing hopes of his survival among Wagner sympathizers. Prigozhin previous, previously dubbed. Uh, um, Putin's chef due to his catering ties with the Kremlin, et cetera, et cetera. So that's this part, right? However, do you have the other story? This is from uh, – is this Daily Mail? Yevgeny Prigozhin is alive and plotting his revenge on Putin after body double was killed in plane assassination Get that plot. Get out of here! Russian analysts claim so. Never,
0: what? So, that's, oh, you that's, didn't know this? You so didn't that's, see no. That's, that's, a body double that's, that's
2: artificial intelligence. That's <laughs> oh, you know we're, fifth we're generation right warfare,
0: General Flynn. Yeah. What is going on with this? He, so, for,
2: so, so to back up, Perg- you know, so Prigozhin was head of the Wagner Group, which is you know, which you know, uh, plotted a coup against. Uh, Putin not too many months ago, trying to get some elements in the military uh, in Moscow to, to help out. And that, that blew apart, right? I've always said if you're going to have a coup, you got to kill the king. And, yeah. and uh, that's, that's, that's just an old phrase for, in warfare. Um, if you, if you, so let's just say the other things that have to be examined here is who else got on board that airplane. Okay. So don't just look at one guy. Okay. And I don't know you know there I think that there was a total of eight people, a couple of pilots, maybe that they met either two crew or three crew you know, and there's and there's uh um so who else got on the on the airplane and were they people that would normally be you know like, like you're asking about trusted advisors to be able to so who are they and that's that's something I think has to be examined because if in fact they did get on that plane, then either he put them on that plane purposely to and knew that they were gonna die or because. In a circle like his, you're going to run out of trusted advisors, okay? You're going to run out of trusted advisors. So if you put really, Great point. If you really put close trusted advisors kill on kill your plan, friends. To, what a
1: dirty guy you are. Right. All your people don't want to be
2: on your team anymore. Right. Okay, so really don't focus on that guy. Focus on who else, okay? And I think that that's a really uh, critical point. That's where I would start to look. Um, never mind, you know, I, I've, I've been to – Sites where everybody's burned and it's hard to tell, and, and uh, I, you know, the sad stories about that. But, but that, um, that's where I would look. Who else got on that plane? And if Progozin put his own closest advisors on that plane, knowing that he was going to go play some game about being the body double. And so, my, my gut reaction to just seeing this, but hearing about Progozin over the last couple of days, is that this is total bullshit.
1: You think so? Can you go to the passport on the picture of Daily Mail? Go to Daily Mail and go down, and uh, it says a Russian political analyst has claimed warlord P- uh, Prigozhin uh, pictured is alive after his body double was killed. And if you look at that passport, this image circulating on Russian Telegram channels purports uh, to show the fake passport of a Prigozhin body double. The site of a plane crash in Russia's Tver region last Wednesday. Anyways, they're saying this guy is alive and free in an unarmed country, according to Putin's critic, Dr. Mm-hmm. Uh, Valery Solvoy, even as Russia stages his funeral, which Vladimir Putin is refusing to
2: attend.
0: Wow. Yeah. What are the chances the U.S. intelligence agencies knows exactly what's going on?
2: I would say I would say uh actually probably none, you know, small to none. Really? Why? Yeah. I think that uh, we overrate our capabilities.
0: You're saying that the U.S. intelligence agencies are—I mean, overrated? they're
2: probably—they're probably getting this kind of stuff right, just like we're sitting here talking about it.
0: But wouldn't they have their eye all over him, like left all and over right, who on Putin, on Prigozhin, on everything? Sure, you know, you're funding sure. a war in Ukraine, which I'm sure we can discuss. Sure, you don't think sure. that they have assets on I, the ground? their eye in th- this. This, this left is and right?
2: the, in the world of intelligence. You, the first report is always wrong,
0: huh.
2: okay? first report is always wrong, tactically, operationally, and strategically. And anybody that watches this that's a, that served in the military, watches your show, will know exactly what I'm talking about. The world of intelligence, the first report is always wrong. Why is that? Because it's, it's either going to be based on deception, it's based on misinterpretation, it's based on mislead. It's based on.
0: Is that otherwise known as a PSYOP?
2: It could be. It could be that, or it could just be, you know, uh, somebody who saw something and they thought it was, uh, you know, they thought it was a, a group of guys that were getting ready to put up some machine gun, and it was three horses laying down in a field. That's a very, <laughs> that's a very specific example yeah. of something that I, that I know.
1: So, in other words, he could be alive.
0: Could be. What are the chances that he's alive? slotting his none. I think slim to none. none. Got it. Gotcha. W- okay but so. I go
2: back to I would go back to what I said earlier about who else went on that? Who else got on that plane? Okay. Because that means there's either a lot of body doubles. Yeah. You know, or that were marching or, to or, their own or death. Or he or he's taken out his top advisors.
0: So boy, do you want to be a top advisor to this guy? How about this? Let's live in reality. Let's let's, let's say he did <laughs> die. Yeah. He was he was yeah. shot down or whatever happened. Yeah. What's the chances that Putin ordered that? Well, it's a message sent.
2: Hundred percent was Putin. Well, it's a, me- I mean, it's a message. I mean, it's like,
0: come on. Well, well obviously that's what we all think. But your intelligence, well, you, yeah. You but I mean, come on. I'm, out, I'm not.
2: I, I got common sense too, right? right. I mean, so you're saying hundred percent it was. Don't Putin? just. I mean, just use your own common sense. It, I it, think it's Putin. tried I'm asking to the experts. Per and tried yeah. to stage a coup against the leader of one yeah. of the of one of the largest nation states on the planet that are involved in a war in Europe right now that we've talked about nuclear weapons and all of a sudden uh, the plane that he's whatever the
0: g whatever he's mm-hmm. flying around in crashes what do you think about what's going on in ukraine we had a whole debate yesterday on whether it's we should horrible. be there should be not be there how not much, be much we there. should fund we shouldn't we should be, should there not be there whatsoever nope. give 0 nope. dollars. It was
2: totally avoidable. It was avoidable in 2014 when they first went went into the to the eastern Donbasses in Crimea in uh, February of 2014, and it was avoidable. Uh, after Biden uh, took over office, it was totally avoidable. So, what do you it's think a, about it? It's a mess. It's a total mess. It's a waste of resources. It's definitely a waste of lives. Um, if there's anything that I do know is, you know, we have to end these endless wars. Yep. Um, we just came out of 20 years of war. So this is what people don't realize because they don't want to talk about Afghanistan and Iraq where we're fighting, you know, guys in shower shoes and bathrobes. Right. We're, we're, you know, to be a bit facetious, we're we're on a battlefield fighting counterterrorism, counterinsurgency, small unit tactics. And now we're now we're in a, on, back on the plains of Europe where we could be fighting a much you know, we could be back to the Warsaw Pact West fighting a different type of war to include nuclear weapons and uh, And you think that our military you think that our military has been has had enough time to rest refit and 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 resource itself to get back up to speed. Never mind what the Chinese are doing not just in in mm-hmm. in the Pacific but what the Chinese are doing from from Beijing west okay on what's called the their one belt initiative mm-hmm. so We're not we're not, you know, the military you know, the chief of staff of the army, the chairman will sit here and go, yeah, we're ready. We're ready to go to war. Mm -hmm. That's 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 such bullshit. Well, what would you say to the people? We have we have got to take we've got a fix. We've got a fix right here at home. We've spent I'm sorry, uh, Adam. No, sir. We have spent 20 years of war. One of the places we surrendered retreated under enemy fire and left and left uh, americans behind enemy lines
0: i agree with you i, I mean i said we had to get the hell out of afghanistan we've had this debate like the endless war is ridiculous whether it's vietnam whether it's everything right. that's happened in iraq afghanistan now ukraine the endless wars the trillions of dollars no doubt so there's these stories out there i want to get your thoughts on this general Flint, Tom's that, giving me the evil eye that, over here oh now. yeah <laughs> you don't want to mess with that guy biz doc <laughs> he'll case study you to death um <laughs> There's these stories out there that Donald Trump is still the commander-in-chief somehow. That's bullshit. It's bullshit. Who's it, saying that story? I, like Personally, I, I think it's— What are you pulling now yeah. out of
1: your ass? Let's like,
0: ask our right, expert right here. Right, right, right. Well, I mean, that's—according uh, to certain communities on the Internet, uh, often referred to as QAnon, uh, a lot of the belief yeah. was that President Trump was Guys. the acting— Stop! We're, stop! We're not. Stop! That's, you're wasting. You're wasting
2: his time. Yeah, I
0: agree. You're wasting. Amer- you're wasting right, your
2: audience's time. You have any other questions you want to
1: ask?
0: Well, Rob <laughs> specifically said he <laughs> worked for. Do one Do you of these have things. any I've other questions to ask? Earlier. You got
1: 13 minutes. Sure.
0: All right. You want me to shift? Yeah, here?
1: Ask if you would transition okay. the question. Asking if Can Trump ask is running America. Can I ask you a America? question,
0: then, General Flynn? Please, please. This is something um, that's near and dear to my heart because I'm Jewish. You said that your father served in World War II. Yeah. You know, here's a story from the Jerusalem Post. That's sort of coming at you. Oh, it's it's, it's
2: describing me as anti-Semitic. It's, you know, I mean, again.
0: Let me read this for you. It says former Trump advisor Michael Finn sparked outrage by attributing blame to Jews for the Auschwitz deaths, which was the biggest concentration camp.
2: Have you listened? So before you go on with the Jerusalem Post article, have you listened to the speech I gave up in uh, Detroit, the whole thing?
0: I believe we have a clip of it.
2: I have not. Okay, but don't just yeah. a clip. I mean I, so you know, you can do that for your audience, you know, however you guys yes, set, sir. set it up. But listen to the whole thing. And what I'm what my my larger point was, because I didn't say those, you know, those things, but my larger point was is could this happen again in the history of in the in recent history, so in, in the past hundred years, so this is not this is twenty twenty three, so let's just go back to nineteen twenty three was the year my parents were born. We, we have seen Stalin, Hitler, Mao, Pol Pot, Idi Amin, if you want to throw him in, and other other dictators. That, just those, those four that I mentioned, those have killed their own people to the tune of about 120 million people. That's, that's in a lifetime that, you know, there's still people generally alive, right? I mean, you know, certainly people that were born before World War II that lived through a, a Stalin in those eras. So my, my bigger point is, could this actually happen again? In the cycle of history, are there people out there that would actually do that again to their own societies? And we see it around the world right now. I mean, what we're talking about in Ukraine, we're talking about in other parts of the world. I mean, the the the, uh, the, the ultimate power is power over people, right? It's power and control over the mm-hmm. citizens that you have. And that's why we... That's we fought a revolutionary war, right? To, well, to, to, you know, to they say absolute that.
0: power is absolute. So I, I understand what you're saying. And I, yeah. whether it's yeah. Stalin, Mao, Hitler, Pol Pot. But I'm, what I'm trying to understand is, okay, all bad guys, you would agree. Mm-hmm. Hitler, Stalin, Mao, right? You know, at the same time, you're saying we shouldn't do anything to stop the war in Ukraine or do anything to stop Putin. So where does that sort of... Yeah, cognitive dissonance. That's not what he sort said. of reads. Well, important.
2: let him answer. Yeah, it. yeah. I mean, first of all, I'll go back and find anywhere where President Biden said these are the three vital national security interests of our country. Why we must be there. Mm-hmm. Right? And 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 if you can find them, send them to me, and I'll read them, and then I'll you know determine in my own mind is okay. Does it, so they make sense to me? I can't find them. I can't find anywhere where the leader of the United States of America said, "These are this is why we must be there." You know, boom, 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 and we're going to do it because it because it is going to destroy our country. Okay, I mean, we already are being destroyed. We're being destroyed internally. Our house is on fire. Every room is on fire. You know, it's not just a a, a, a grease fire on the stove. We got every room in our house on fire. So. And yet we're going to just continue to pour money. So let's just put that aside. Okay, never mind Putin and, and what you know who Putin is or, or 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 what he represents. He's a communist. Okay, and and that's an ideology that is an anti to to us. This country right now, if we don't get our our own act in order, if we don't fix some of the things that we're going to fix, and not to reduce the debt and all this crap that that politicians talk about, that's I don't know. I'm not sure that's attainable, but if we don't get our own house in order and we we correct the the massive deficiencies that we have in our own streets right now and uh, and we have particularly the, you know, the invasion, I call it an invasion. Right. I mean, down on the southern border, then, you know, then we're not going to have a country. We're not. I mean, we we can't you can't say defund the police. And then say that you're fighting the war on crime and the war on drugs. Mm-hmm. Th- those, two, those two don't match, right? But that's a that's a phrase that comes out of the left.
0: Well, General Flynn, I fully appreciate what you're saying. 100% agree. Everyone on the panel agrees with you. But you've also said very poignantly that the president yep. or whoever's running the country needs to juggle multiple balls at the same time. Yes. So unless you're a complete libertarian like a— uh, Ron Johnson, who doesn't want to be a non interventionist and did get into any... Ron Johnson or
2: Paul? Ron Paul.
0: Ron Paul or both of them that ran into that. The um, the question is, right, what level of involvement should we have uh, internationally? Do we get in, involved in anything outside of domestic borders?
2: Yes. I mean, there are times and, and you'd be shocked at how much money we give to countries around the world. I mean, you'd be shocked. There's It's called funds, different types of funds, P1 to P6 type funds. I mean, there's a these are functions of our government. And you'd be, you'd be shocked at how much money we give to countries that, it, that really are aligned against us. But, um, yeah, there are times when it is necessary. There are times when it is necessary. I mean, mm-hmm. the war in Afghanistan lasted way too long. Uh, to go and do something there was probably necessary. But, but then we stayed there too long. Uh, the war in, in Iraq was totally unnecessary. It was based on ego. Instead and, and a lie, uh, instead of uh, the truth. WMDs and, and uh, you know and what we what we now know. So, I mean, I, I think that there's times if it's well, I apologize you know, for no, it's okay. I'm I'm sorry, say sorry if it's my wife. Tell her I'm on the way. But but yeah, but you know what I'm saying. Life. So there so there are there are moments in in history where you say this is such, th- this is going to destroy our country, mm-hmm. and what's destroying our country right now is th- are things that are happening right here at
0: home. What do we do about ta- Taiwan? Uh, or China? It's 1125. Yeah.
1: 1125. Yeah. Well, you know, I maximizing it, 11, our time. No, timer. I like it. I like it. Uh, this was uh, – I, I can talk for another couple hours because i got 50 other questions. So maybe we're going to have to do this uh, uh, another time with a three-hour one instead of a yeah, two-hour sure. one. But uh, we appreciate you for coming out. Uh, once again, thank you for your service one of the things you'll realize about our style is it doesn't matter whether we agree with you or we disagree with you. There's going to be moments where you think we disagree with you. We want to kind of push back with everybody. That's kind of our MO in our family as Middle Easterns. I don't know if you've ever been to a wedding at a Middle Eastern house. I have. If you come to our house and you watch me and my dad uh, talk, you would think we are fighting when we speak in Assyrian. but we're just having a regular conversation and we have uh, uh, many different things that we like to debate and discuss. But What I do want to do is we're going to put the link below to General Flynn's book here, Introduction to uh, 5GW, The Citizen's Guide to Fifth Generation Warfare. Thank you. The link to both of them will be below. I suggest you order both of them, the 5GW as well as the AI. And again, uh, Rob, if you can put that in the description and in the chat, that would be wonderful. Direct link to the book. Uh, uh, We know a lot of you that are watching this, you're... Uh, big, big supporters of what the general talks about, and the best way to show support is to make sure you go order his book, read it, and share it with others, and uh, I don't think we have another podcast going on this weekend, because we're going to be at the vault. For those of you guys that are going to the vault, or you're watching this, some of you guys that are going to be at the CEO session, uh, can't wait to spend the time with you guys tonight, and then tomorrow, the craziness starts. But again, General Flynn, uh, thank, thank you, so you sir, for coming out. Truly appreciate Flynn, you, and thank, thank you for being here. Coin. Thank you, Truly. Adam. Take care, everybody. Have a great weekend. Bye-bye, bye-bye, bye-bye. Tom.